New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare, MyHealthPolicy.com. What's going on, everybody? April 17th, 2020. I am back. It is Friday night, and welcome to this edition of the Don Tony Show. A little bit relaxed, a little bit mellow. Um, I don't know if it's just because of this whole, you know, coronavirus stuff just getting to me a little bit. Shout out to everybody tuning in live right now. And by the way, I think I got... The super chat stuff all figured out. If it works today, then we can actually have them splash on the screen. We'll see you later on. But, um, oh boy, what a crazy week. Crazy week, man. Wednesday, just so, I got to be honest with you. This week was really, really draining for yours truly. And yes, I have the luxury of working, you know, but I have chosen to take on additional jobs to get some extra cash. And um, Wednesday, I prepared to do a very easy episode of Wednesday Night Dynamite, talk a little bit about NXT, AEW, and then all the releases went down. Now, for anybody that's tuning in and did not see my episode from Wednesday, that episode I spent a good hour talking about the releases. And not only did I talk about the releases, but I basically tried to be as real as I possibly can be. Um, And, you know, look, I don't want to repeat everything I said on Wednesday, and I'm certainly not going to get into it on Monday. Um, But I'll say this, you know, there is a time and place for emotion. Thinking with your heart, obviously. But you also got to think with your brain. And, you know, when I see these people over and over again, you know, just thinking with their heart, acting with their heart, calling Vince evil, you know, talking about how they wasted this money on Cain Velasquez and Goldberg and stuff, but yet they could have kept these people on the payroll. They could have avoided this to pay this. You know, those are the people with all due respect. Those are the people, as I said on Twitter, you don't even trust with your tooth fairy money. You don't even trust it with your tooth fairy money. You can't look at it anything but business. WWE has stockholders that have hundreds of millions of dollars invested in this company. You had to see all of these people triggered today because they announced that a dividend, I think $10 million worth of dividend is going to be given to the stockholders. And people are like, look at this shit. They released all these people to save $4 million, and now they're going to give $10 million in dividends to the stockholders. If it wasn't for the stockholders, those people wouldn't have been employed in the first place. I know it sounds cold, but you're you're not... This isn't a Ring of Honor promotion. This isn't a local indie group. This is a publicly traded billion-dollar company with investors, big stockholders. You see people online acting the way they do. My first piece of advice for everybody out there, look at their bios, see what kind of work they do. When you realize that their Twitter account 
is the most active part of their life, both between nine to five and after, that should tell you that if you want to chat with your heart, by all means. But when it comes to chatting with your mind, you got to stay clear away from these people, seriously. Um, what's up, one fall? Hopefully I didn't trigger you or others. Um, because look, I'm just telling it like it is. I felt bad for everybody that got let go. But, you know, the one thing that really annoyed the shit out of me the last two days is this one phrase that people kept saying over and over again. And for everybody out there, if you took a shot every time you read this, you'd be pissed drunk right now. How many of you out? And you know what, teen? Hold that thought because I'm going to actually add to a little bit to what I said on Wednesday. You're not that far off. But, um, you know, the one phrase that really pissed me off that I was reading over and over again is Vince McMahon refires 40 stars during a pandemic. When is he supposed to let them go? When business is doing great and there's no coronavirus, it's called downsizing. It's called, and by the way, we have the statement, we have the statement that um, Vince McMahon actually uh, gave to all of the people before he let them go. And, oh, that's cool. All right. So, yeah. So, I am kind of able to put up the super chats now. Uh, Philip wants to know, do I uh, think there's going to be more releases? Yeah, I do. Um, in fact, there were a couple of names that were revealed today. Uh, Tynara Conti is the only one, uh, and Serena Deeb is another. Uh, they're the only two that have publicly talked about it. But, you know, there's a couple of names that, you know, and look, when we talked about who was rumored to have coronavirus in WWE, you remember all of the websites and the pages. Oh, Carmella has it. Oh, Rey Mysterio has it. Oh, this person has it. And it ends up none of them had it. Unless WWE says it or the person themselves, you you don't buy into that. And I thought it was so fucked up. And Sean Ross Sapp is a guy that I never liked in the past. Started changing my views on him when he cut his hair for charity. But uh, Carmella, not Carmelo, Carmella, excuse me. I have Carmelo on the brain because Carmelo's in the chat right now. What's up? But... Um, you know, the, but the thing is, is that even with the releases, you know, I saw some pretty, there's one guy that is a big supporter of AEW that I follow on Twitter. And to be honest with you, he doesn't follow me. I follow him because he does put up some good information at AEW. As soon as I'm done with this show tonight, before I even take a leak to go to bed, I'm deleting, I'm unfollowing this guy because it was just so pretty pathetic to see this go down. He's, he's, he manages, I even think, the AEW podcast that's like on Discord or something. And he's on a message board, and he yesterday he's posting all of these names that are rumored to be released. And it ends up he got quite a few of them wrong. I never mentioned any rumored names unless we had the confirmations. 
And today there was a couple of names that were being thrown out there. And he asked Sean Ross Sapp, he's like, you know, uh, what about this name? What about this name? And Sean's like, you know, not for nothing. You know, until it's confirmed, you know, you shouldn't be posting. And, and he basically outed this guy and he's like, on your, on your Facebook or whatever page it was, you're posting names that weren't even true. And this guy put his tail between his legs like a pussy. And basically he's like, well, you know, that's what happens on message boards. That's what happens on message boards. There's a lot of rumors and gossip. Oh, that justifies it, huh? That justifies it. I'm not even going to mention some of the names that they put on that list. And what's so sad about it is if all of these podcasters and websites that claim they have sources and were actually commenting about these people yesterday... And you realize that they're just reading it off of pages. But the one phrase that, again, that really pissed me off is, oh, Vince lets all these people go during fucking coronavirus. Well, I want to read you very quickly um, what Vince McMahon actually said to the roster. And um, I honestly don't recall if Sean is the one that actually put this up. But this apparently was a video of a statement and look anybody that follows me a long time knows that I'm not the biggest supporter of Vince McMahon. All right. But you know, we got to be a little bit common sense, a little realistic here. I mean, I know that, you know, we, I look, you want to know something that a lot of people will find amazing. Um, you could go check and obviously I'm not going to, I'm not doing it right now because I'm talking to all of you that are live, much appreciated. And by the way, if you're enjoy the show tonight, please hit the like button. And if you like the channel, hit the subscribe button. It costs not a zero this close to 10,000 subscribers. I, my original goal was to have 10,000 in a year. We're going to hit 10,000 in less than four, four and a half months. Awesome, man. You keep enjoying this stuff. I'll keep pushing this stuff out for you. In fact, a few of you gave me some suggestions, which I'll talk about later. Right now, it's, you know, talking about what's going on with the releases. But Vince McMahon, before the releases started coming out, he issued a statement. And here's the transcription of it. And he said, and I quote, WWE made some difficult decisions this week. Um, thank you all for joining me, joining me today. First and foremost, I hope that you and your families are safe. What we're going through today is unprecedented, and there's no doubt that these are challenging times for everyone. Given the adverse effects of the coronavirus and the resulting financial recession, yes, he did say coronavirus, WWE, like so many companies, have to decrease operating expenses. Effective immediately, we are reducing executive and board member compensation, decreasing talent expenses, cutting third-party staffing, and consulting and improving our cash flow by delaying the production of our new headquarters for at least six months. Despite all of these measures, given the uncertainty that we are facing today, unfortunately, we have to temporarily reduce headcount. As such, a number of WWE employees will be furloughed from the company today. At the close of my remarks, employees will receive a communication detailing their individual situations. Now, on a side note, everyone, I know people jumped the gun Wednesday and said that they would be informed by text 
almost trying to compare it when Bischoff fired Austin with FedEx or whatever. That ended up not being the case. Um, people were contacted by phone. Anyway, getting back to his statement. More specifically, those impacted by the furloughs will receive a text message from Human Resources, there was more, like I said, with specific information with their next steps. These are not easy decisions, but reflect the reality of the environment that we are working in today. We live in a world of troubled times. I'm confident as a company, and most importantly, confident in you as individual employees will put through these, pull through these tough times and come back to work and make life better than it ever it's ever been. Thank you. That was the statement. Everybody was contacted by telephone and then they were texted later on further information as far as what they're going to do. Now, a couple of wrestlers, Heat Slater kind of revealed it without saying it yesterday, but he was talking about how this has lit a fire under his ass and come July that, you know, he you're going to see, you know, he's really going to pick up the ball and this is, and that. I don't remember exactly what he said, but that was pretty much it. And people immediately did the math. Wait a minute, July, 90 days, 90 day no P clause. Some people got 90 day no compete clauses, which is very interesting because I know Meltzer and a lot of others, they truly meant good by doing this. They basically started posting links about pandemic unemployment insurance and everything like that. And, you know, that's all nice and dandy. But when you are in the middle of uh, a 90-day no-compete clause, what's up, Markel? Hey, you know, I, I got to lower that font a little bit because the names are going are gonna to get cut off. So I'll, I'll fix that. But, um, but the thing is, is that uh, you're getting a 90-day no-compete clause. You, you can't double dip. You, you're getting money from WWE for the next three uh months or whatever it is let me see if uh if this font lows down a little bit ah that's that's a well you know what his name is pretty long that's probably why so it's markel world times two well we'll leave it like that for now but hey thank you very much my friend but um you know these guys get 90 day no compete how you gonna apply for pandemic unemployment insurance you're getting paid for the next 90 days so you can't even apply I, I don't think for at least 90 days from now, you can't apply now and say, oh, start paying me 90 days from now. That doesn't work that way. And 90 days from now, you may end up having, okay, why why is this, what did I, what did I do over here? Did, did I fuck it up, everybody? I think I fucked it up. Yeah, I fucked it up. But um, yeah, I disappeared. I disappeared. Did you at least hear me while he had the blank screen, everybody? You know, I going dark, I know, right? I should, I'd like Jake the Snake Roberts. But um, was it better? Did But did you hear me when it went out, the lights? Yeah, I, you know, it's like I said, this thing now with the Super Chat is something that I really got to get used to. But uh, as we go along, you know, we iron out little kinks here and there. I can shut the lights off if you want. Yeah, if you want a little bit of uh, intimate surroundings. I got lights in front of me, to the right of me, to the left of me. Yeah, no, Creepy Ali, you know. Now he's going for tag teams, you know, teasing that shit. This, I'm telling you, it's Creepy Ali. Did this guy, like, spy on everybody? Creepy Ali, man. 
Creepy Ali. All right, so apparently you, you still heard me while the lights went out for a minute. But um, no, but seriously, um, some of these guys are getting 90-day no-compete clause, so they're getting paid for the next 90 days. Keeping also in mind that pandemic unemployment insurance, I think the maximum you can make is $650 a week. Something tells me that these wrestlers were making more than $650 a week. So for the next 90 days, these guys and gals, many of them, are going to be paid well. There are a few people that received their outright release. The Revival is one of them, and now there's rumors that their team name is going to be uh, The Revolt, like Fear the Revolt or something like that. Look, man, I, I swear to you, I like The Revival. I've been straight up honest in how I feel about the tag team. You know, Dash Wilder, like I said, if you walked down the street and bumped into him, you would be like, oh, excuse me. You wouldn't even realize it's Dash Wilder and not because he's wearing a fucking germ mask. But even if he had the mask off, you wouldn't even know who he is. You know, Dawson is good. And Dawson, to me, is like the Shawn Michaels of the group with all due respect. But, you know, like this revolt, you know, I could see if you're Scott Hall and Kevin Nash revolting, but these two guys revolting, it's almost like the amazing French Canadian showing up in another promotion. What are you going to do? Bash WWE? Bash Vince? Bash the way that you utilized? And what, 300 people are going to go along with it? Fear the revolt? I, I'm not feeling it, man. I'm just not feeling that. Um, but you will, you will get to money in the bank in a couple of minutes, but uh, unless you want guys want to talk about it right now, because I know Swan just sent in. He said, Alistair Black should win Money in the Bank, not Jeff Hardy, and Daniel Bryan should not have went over Cesaro. I'm disgusted by it. You want to know something? I'm disgusted by SmackDown tonight as a whole. Uh, as you all could see, I'm actually dressed a little bit today. I'm not going to lie. I actually went with my girl over to my friend's house. There was only two people there, plus us two. We barbecued, spent a little time just talking about stuff and everything. You know, I'm not going to suddenly go to parties and run risks of anybody, you know, uh, getting sick. I still can't see my parents, which really, really is starting to get to me, to be honest with you. You know, being able to cover my bills right now is nice. But, you know, not being able to see them, especially with the health issues that they both have, is really, really, really depressing. Um, I'm almost going to try to convince myself to convince my parents to let me go see them this week. Um, yeah, I know social distancing, man, it's not fun. But uh, you know what? Look, when we talk on this show, we talk about everything. I mean, we go from one topic to another, and I promise we'll t get money in the bank. And thank you for the compliments for the shirt. Yeah, this is kind of like my normal dress in my private life. But um, before we mention money in the bank, I want to give a shout out to someone. Guy probably has no idea that I even pay attention to what he writes on YouTube. I swear to Jesus Christ, every single one of you out there, when you comment on the channels, I read everything. Obviously, I can't respond to every single comment, but I read everything. And, you know, I see, you know, a lot of suggestions and opinions from a lot of you out there. And this one guy, Uno Bassman, was telling me, he's like, dude, you know, you got hair, 
But, you know, whatever you're putting into it is like all thin and everything. He's like, you got to buy this dry mate stuff. Mate, mate, mate stuff or whatever. It's like a clay. And you rub it in your hair. And then you get some sea salt. And then you spray it in your hair. And it gives you, like, volume. And it smells nice. I, he wrote that on YouTube. He didn't send me a message or anything. But I read his comment. I said, you know what? Let me go pick this shit up. It really does. I feel like I got like John Gotti here right now and everything. And it's, and it's, it's just, it's like, um, it's almost like, uh, it's a clay. It's a clay. It's not, you, you rub like a little bit. It's very sticky, but you rub a little in your hand and you just like wipe it into your hair and then you blow dry it. And then after you blow dry, it, you just spray this, it's called texturizer. And it gives like your hair a little bit of volume and stuff like that. But there's no hairspray in my hair and I do this and it doesn't even move around. So, yeah, for, for the older folk out there like me that, you know, tries to make the hair look a little bit better, this stuff's pretty good. Oh, and one other thing. I posted on Twitter the uh, x-rays of my spinal stimulator inside me, the same one that Hogan had. You know, you saw, plus you've got the, the bonus. You got to see my plate, my screws, my pins in my hip, the brackets. I'm like the bionic man. But I people asked me last week, you know, what happens when I go through metal detectors? And, I, and Wednesday when I was talking about um, having a medical card on you that says that you have the antibody for coronavirus, that's not new world order. I go through metal detectors right now and it goes off and I'm only putting my finger over part of it because I just don't want my personal information to go out there. But when I go to like an airport, a courthouse, anything that does a metal detector, it goes off. And I have to present this card from Boston Scientific. If you look in the back of it, see that? It says, attention, airport security. This person has an implant and it's got all my personal information on there. And I got to present that so they know that, you know, I'm not like smuggling weapons inside of me. Like I didn't shove it up my ass or something like that. But getting back to SmackDown, I'm a little disappointed with today's SmackDown. Um... Look, the releases didn't really affect today's SmackDown much at all. To be honest with you, some of the names on that SmackDown uh, today, you know, the, you really didn't have anybody missing that was released. A lot of the names, and this is something I was thinking about also. You know, some of the names that got let go in the last year or so, there was so many, so much news about these people being disgruntled. I don't want to name some numerous tag teams and a certain female with blonde hair, and a, but there's been a, several people that were not thrilled with their current situation. So my feeling looking back on it is, you know what? If you got to trim the fat, you know, this is something people need to realize. And I have some news that you're going to find very interesting in a minute. This is a, and I got to give credit to Ryan Satin and Pro Wrestling Sheet because they're the ones that put this out. And uh, it's the WWE taping schedule through July, through July. And, you know, the thing is, is that, like I said, like I said Wednesday, and I say it again today, you know, when, when the people were saying like, oh, Vince is so fucked up releasing all these people during the coronavirus, just look, look, go last year, go on the corporate website, just look at any one quarter of the WWE financial earnings. If you remember in January, I got into the whole year, but look at any one quarter and just look at the line that says live events, live events, and look at the tens of millions of dollars that they're not making right now because of that. When you realize that 
you're forced to work only in the performance center for at least maybe the next three to four months. At minimum, you don't need as many people as before. So you have to downsize. Um, Rhythm, we'll talk politics a little later. But you have to downsize. Uh, yeah, almighty la- uh, Lager King, Tainara Conti is gone. She is gone. Um, but, you know, so if you're going to downsize, don't you think that some of the first people you decide to downsize are the ones that don't want to uh, work during coronavirus? What are you supposed to do? Just keep them around? for the next three, four months until it's time to go? No, those probably some of the first people you let go. You have some people that are not all that that um, happy with their situation. You know, if you're struggling right now, are you going to keep the people that have been unhappy before that might have negotiated a bigger... Con- Look, anybody in business, in real life, you want to make as much money as you possibly can. So without naming any specific names, you heard some people that were very dis- claimed that they were very disgruntled. And because WWE wanted to keep them and maybe not let them possibly go to AEW, they might have overpaid a little bit of what they planned on paying. And now with the coronavirus and they have to downsize, you don't think that those people that might have negotiated a little bit of a better deal you know, because, and they were not happy in the first place, those are probably some of the first people you get rid of. Sure, it's some people that we like, obviously, but still, I mean, that that's not a good thing. And Markel World, Drake Maverick seems like he can't let go. He said uh, the video the last three matches prove himself that it's not about the title. Uh, what is there to prove when you're fired? Um, you're just being real. Let me tell you something, Drew, Drake Maverick, uh, I hope I didn't say Drew Maverick because that's from Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday, I just kept screwing that up. I kept calling him Drew Maverick. But um, no, Drake Maverick, you know, that's a guy that WWE should have second thoughts about letting go. Because when you have someone that is that upset, now, of course, you're not going to keep people on the roster simply because of emotion. That's exactly what I said when we opened up with the show. You know, you see all these people, they should have kept all these people on payroll. You got to please your stockholders. That's why they're getting dividends, to try to keep them from selling their fucking stock. They start selling the stock. Does anybody notice that the WWE stock went up about 30% over the last month? In the middle of coronavirus, no income coming in, no no ticket revenue, no T-shirt mer- merchandise, live events, none of this stuff. But yet their stock goes up almost 30%. You know, you can't, you can't base a lot of business decisions straight on emotion. But someone like Drake Maverick is a guy that you see... His heart is all WWE. You know, maybe you get, I hate to say it like this, but maybe you get rid of someone else that really like comes to work with a, you know, smug on his face. You know, isn't really fucking happy to be there, but he's working anyway and this and that. You know, maybe that's, you have second thoughts with that. I I swear to God, man, I, I mentioned it Wednesday. I mean, even, I know, I could see it already. If they decided to change their mind about Drake Maverick, and they kept him, and they turned it into a storyline that, you know, he was bullshitting, and he really wasn't leaving, and this, this, and that. Um, I think the internet, 
even if they knew it was storyline, would all get triggered over it. He'd be the number one fucking heel, you know? But I wouldn't mind seeing that anyway. And, uh, yeah, Rockstar Spud, you know? And I know some of you out there know about the cameo stuff. I really don't didn't want to post it here, um, you know? I Because, see, this is the thing. Like, some of the things that I do, I do on the down low. Um, some of you out there, you know, I, I've sent stuff during coronavirus, you know, sending out cards and things, talking to a few people, you know, even some wrestlers supporting them privately. I don't make it public. You know, I, I will never forget, you know, all of the generosity that Mick Foley has done for people that never, ever, ever made public. So sometimes I do things privately. Um, I know some of you know about the Drake Maverick stuff, but, you know, that's, I really felt that way. I just, I, I think, you know, the guy, I think he touched a lot of people with what he said. You know, it was genuine. And again, I would have no problem if WWE changed their mind, kept them, and turned it into a storyline. If he gets heel heat over it, so what, man? Right now, you know, the internet, you know, I've always balked at having storylines and, you know, some of the things go off on social media because sometimes you can't, you know, differentiate what's real and what's not. And I understand some people would be like, well, that's the best thing about pro wrestling when you don't know where the line is drawn. The problem is, is that social media, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, genuine accounts. You know, it's not, Twitter is not set up to be used as a, a way of pushing your storylines and drama. I mean, that's just the way it is, but it's turned into that. Obviously, um, let me see. Uh, Dan Hunsaker, what's up, my friend? Uh, and thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate the kind words. Is it now good to put a face to the voice? Why do I think uh, DZ was spared? Who DZ? Who DZ? Um, well, who's DZ? I'm drawing a blank right now. Let me take a slug of my water. Who's DZ? Yeah, got spot. Not Dana. Oh, Dov Ziggler? Whoa, 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 whoa. I know this is an unpopular thing to say, but go back to my February 15th comment when I wanted Tucky to be the one behind the whole storyline with Otis and Mandy, Mother Tucker, you know, that son of a bitch. They end up going with Sonya Deville. And we'll talk about Sonya Deville's promo tonight as well. Uh, to me, Dov Ziggler is doing a fine job right now. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, honestly, he is that, you know, like guy that, you know, you just like, he hits on your girlfriend in a club and you, you, because, you know, you think you're a tough person on Twitter, but in real life, you're a pussy like Dolph Ziggler could hit on your girlfriend and you can't do nothing about it. You have to just like stand there and take it and hope that your, your girlfriend or your wife turns around and, you know, maybe slaps him in the face or something. Dolph Ziggler is doing exactly what he should be doing. I fucking have no problem with Dolph Ziggler right now. I, I enjoy his character. I enjoy his work. Um, when he really gets under people's skin, that he's doing his job to the T. Now, you know, look, anybody that knows me when I talk about the TV shows, you know, I don't do WWE SmackDown from the Performance Center, the opening match, and blah, 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 blah. This is that. Um, I could go back and forth with matches, but, you know, the whole thing with Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose tonight, when Dolph Ziggler 
you know, was saying to Sonia, why did you do that to Mandy Rose? You know, Otis comes out and starts wailing on Dolph Ziggler. Now, yes, you look at the overall entire storyline, um, you know, Otis is still pissed off at Dolph Ziggler. But if you really, like, dissect it today, Dolph Ziggler wasn't, like, saying that to Sonia and then, you know, like, saying, like, oh, you should hit her even more. You know what I mean? Like, Dolph Ziggler was actually trying to stop that tonight. And um, when Sonia Deville said to Mandy Rose that Dolph really cares about you, I'm telling you, those two things, you know, look, WWE storylines, you know, they're not that complex. And, um, you know, I don't think it's going to get that detailed. But those are two little things that you might want to be a little bit, uh, you know, just remembering about. Just little seeds that planted because, you know, her saying that Dolph really cares about Mandy, you know, that might be a little twist down the line. Uh and Sonia Deville, um, she cut the promo of her career today. And, um, you know, my honest take on it, and by the way, Markel, I definitely mentioned Leo Rush in a minute, but Sonia Deville today, I have criticized Sonia Deville in the past that she's got the personality of a potted plant. I said that when they did the whole thing with uh, Liv Morgan and Lana, that I didn't think Sonya Deville should have been in that role, not because she's gay or anything like that, but because she just doesn't have that personality. Well, tonight, you know, Sonya Deville basically, you know, now look, I've lost weight, but I still cannot like reach like my leg to my face. So I can't put my foot in my mouth. Sonya Deville really showed me and a lot of people tonight that man, you know, she actually can fucking talk if given the opportunity. She was awesome tonight. There's one problem, though. Tell me the scenario where she cuts an emotional promo like this again. If she feuds with someone for the title, what is she going to do? She's going to get into this entire passionate speech. This is not, She's going to sound like Dana, like a brunette Dana Brooke. So... The Sonya Deville promo tonight was excellent. Highlight of the night, I could say. The problem is, if you look at it in the overall scope, where does she get the opportunity to cut something like that again? That's a one and done. That's a one and done. She expressed her, her love for fire and desire and then decided to get nasty on Mandy Rose. And that's it. That's it. What do you do? So this promo again, where does it go? It, it's, you see, cutting a passion and emotional promo, and trust me, some of what she said, the reason why it came off so, so well is because some of what she said is true. She probably spent more time with Mandy Rose on the road the last couple of years than being at home with her family. Sometimes you see like Eddie Kingston, and sorry for anybody out there that only watches WWE. Me, I am. I have broadened my scope of being a wrestling fan. You know, uh, again, you know, it blows me away when some podcasters rip AEW, rip NXT, rip WWE. But meanwhile, there's so much other shit out there, and they don't spend any time on it. Why? Because if they talked about Ring of Honor, they might get three likes. But if they talk fucking about I don't know, Braun Strowman seven times tonight. You add them up combined, they got 450 likes. 
you know, unfortunately, you don't get paid by the tweet, <laughs> you know? So that's why I don't get fall into it. But look at Eddie Kingston. That NWA promo that he cut like two months ago, people were just floored by the promo because a lot of what he said was real when he was talking about homicide and, you know, saved them and all that. And um, when you are allowed to add a little reality and a little bit of real personal stuff and true stuff in a promo, sometimes it just comes out that that's much more because you don't even have to think, you don't even have to think about bullet points. You know, you just talk about the truth. So Sonia Deville tonight, beautiful, beautiful, just awesome. Where does she get an opportunity like that to do that again? That's the problem, man. That's the problem. Um, Jody, I could mention a little bit about Impact a little bit later because I know they got Rebellion on Tuesday. I'm on top of everything. I'll do I'll do that in a little bit. But, um, you know, I got to be honest with you, man. You put that Sonya Deville stuff aside. You know, I, I don't even know what to start, where to start tonight. You know, you know what this Money in the Bank feels like? It feels like, okay... We're not going to get any pay-per-view buy rates off of this. We don't have to worry about ticket sales sucking because we don't have to sell tickets for this event. So my honest opinion on this is because they're the only game in town other than AEW right now, that they feel that wrestling fans are going to watch WWE or the network no matter what. Like, if you're watching wrestling right now, chances are you're not going to turn it off in a week or two. You're watching, you're going to go through the motions. So, basically, all right, let's give Dana Brooke a little rub. Let's give Tamina a little bit of a rub. Um, And that's ridiculous, man. You know, Tamina, I have nothing against her, brother. You know, we just had a dark side of the ring, brother. To me, fucking, you know, an hour, I wish I could get back, brother. You know, just trying to, like, change a little bit of history or make him that much more evil, brother. You know, come on, man. That story's been out there since 1983. People fucking just chose not to pay attention to it until that one newspaper that decided to try to get law enforcement to reopen the case, you know, Trying to play gotcha with the dark side of the ring, man. Yeah, yeah. Look, is Vince evil? Vince has done evil stuff. He's done evil stuff. With, absolutely, man. He's cold. You know, it, but it's business. Again, you know, I, I'm not the biggest Vince McMahon fan, but, you know, you can't just go through life on emotion. You know, I, I know it's a popular thing. You know, you get likes, you get people talking to you online. Oh, Vince letting all these people go during the coronavirus. Vince liquidating only $4 million, but look how much money he paid for Goldberg. You know, it's just, you can't, you got to think with your mind too. It's an entertainment business. Look at all the revenue that is lost. You have to downsize. So you have to please your stockholders. You have to, you can't take every other Fed out there and try to put WWE in the same category. They're a billion-dollar entertainment company. 
that is publicly traded in a stock market that has investors that invest hundreds of millions of dollars in a company. And unfortunately, they are the ones that keep the company afloat. And when that stock goes from $100 a share down to $30 a share, all right, shit's got to roll. What happened? What happened to the annual tradition that people talked about up until now? Oh, right after WrestleMania, we're going to shake it up. And they let people go. This isn't the first time they've let, pe- they've let more people go now. Why? Because it, unlike 2005, unlike 2008, unlike 2014, unlike many other years, uh, when they released people, they still had house shows. They still had live events. They still had crowds. Now, you don't have any of that. So you have to trim the roster a little bit more than usual. It sounds cold, but you're not going to keep people. Imagine going into an investor's meeting. Hey, Vince, you know, do you really need 217 wrestlers right now when you can't have live events and you're not selling out 50,000 seat arenas? Well, we were going to let them go, but... Yeah, it's social media, you know, it's to feel bad. I got shut up. Come on, man. Like I said, these people on social media, the first thing you should do is look at their bio and see what do they do for a living. Like I said, what do they do for a living? You know, my God, you see these people that claim that they have all these crazy jobs. You never see them talk about their real jobs. And isn't it funny when they do talk about their real jobs, none of their employees have social media. Think about that. None of their employees have social media. None, none. It's like, it's telling you, it's like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood on Twitter all day long. So, shut up. But anyway, so SmackDown tonight, in my opinion, was very Shangata. Daniel Bryan, what the fuck happened with quarantine? You know? And, And the worst part about it, and I have some of the Super Chats aside, we will definitely talk about it. We'll talk about Howard Finkel as well. But, you know, before we even talk about some of these SmackDown matches, we definitely need to show this. Climb the corporate ladder. Money in the bank, Sunday, May 10th. Now, what's that all about? I got to give a shout out to the Wrestle Daily who got these photos. Yeah, that does, it looks like some commercial equipment. You know, a pro wrestling ring with a ladder. No big deal, right? Well, until you realize that that's on top of uh, WWE headquarters. Uh, You can see from I-95. Yeah. That's actually them constructing the ring on top of the WWE headquarters. They announced today that what's going to happen is uh, the Money in the Bank matches are going to start from the ground floor. And you have to work your way up to the top of the building, up the ladder to get the fucking briefcase. To get the briefcase. That's what's happening. It's a little creative. Did anybody stop and ask themselves tonight, how is Connecticut allowing this? I did my research. I'll share with everybody tonight. I think WWE, we keep talking about Florida and DeSantis. I think WWE kind of got a little bit of a, you know, a little waiver in Connecticut. Maybe a waiver, maybe, maybe. But, you know, Tamina getting the match against Bailey. Look, we said that a week or two. 
We said that last week, remember? You know, Tamina's definitely going to get the shot. And this all this is, all Tamina is doing, she's a cog in the wheel for the storyline between uh, Bailey versus Sasha Banks. Basically, you know, the road is taking the highway. The destination is Bailey versus Sasha Banks. Basically, what Tamina is, is the pit stop. Where you want to take a pee, maybe go buy, you know, a hamburger or something, stretch your legs a little bit. If you smoke them, got them. If you got them, smoke them. Then you get back in the car and you go back on I-95 to your destination. That's what Tamina is. Tamina is a rest stop, brother. She's a rest stop. That's all it is. She's a Samoan rest stop. You know, just go stop, take a wee, 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 buy a drink, a beverage, get back in the car, pump up some gas, go on the road. You know, that's all she is. She's a gas station. That's that's what she is. Also, you know, Dana Brooke. Oh, my God, I won the big one. By the way, does anybody tonight think that there was some um, hazing going on with Michael Cole today? You know, Dana Brooke, like, getting close with Michael Cole and Seamus literally in Michael Cole's face, social distancing, spittle. Seamus better not have no fucking coronavirus you know, I, I don't know. It just seemed like a little bit of too close for comfort towards Michael Cole today. But seriously, you know, I mean, I say this just in character. I don't mean this in real life. But for me, the only reason why you put Dana Brooke in that match is maybe we get the repeat of Hogan and the Big Show. Where was that? What was that arena when they did the monster trucks and Big Show? And he fall backwards. Oh, man, if we could get like a special effect like that where she just falls backwards and then they pause it and then you go look on the floor and she's just like laid out like this and then she gets released. Oh, I'm cool with that. Storyline wise, storyline. I, I wish no physical harm on her. Um, Anthony Diaz. All right. You know, I because we're talking about this right now, your comment about Oscar, dude, I, I honestly and I say it was with nothing but love, my friend, but. Reports say that Oscar finally won over Vince, that she's been the MVP through all of this. Dude, last Friday, this past Monday, what did I say on the shows? My exact words. Oscar has been the MVP of the empty arenas. All you're seeing right now, and this is something you got to get used to, what you see online are websites guessing Oh, my God, Oscar's been knocking out of the park. They keep putting her out there. Oh, okay, I'll report that Vince is, you know, sold on Oscar. She had a fucking 890-day undefeated run. WWE's always had stock in Oscar. That's just the people guessing online. After the releases Wednesday, what did you read Thursday morning? The, what, uh, the current vibe in the WWE Performance Center is, and you click on it, uncertainty. No fucking shit. Every single person that read that article has uncertainty right now. I swear to God, all of these Brad Shepherds and these ringside news and all that, I mean this. I mean this with all of my heart. Seriously, with all of my heart that has a little bit of gray hairs on it right now. I swear to God, I mean this. I wish WWE would seriously consider hiring Brad Shepard hiring ringside news, hiring all of these people. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till Monday, business, work week. Do it over the weekend. Hire them and then let them fucking tweet fuck 
that that whole night that they got hired from WWE, and then the next day you just say, "Yeah, fired." Just just for just for the satisfaction to hear that they got re- not furloughed, just fired, released before they even collect a paycheck. Hire them just to fire them. I, I'm telling you, I would mark out. I would pop. That would be awesome, man. These fucking it's guessing. It's guessing. That's all it is. It's common sense, guys. When you hear that, oh, people could go to restaurants again, and this could happen again, and these and things are starting to get lax. You know, you're going to see the article, oh, the overall vibe in the locker room right now is much more confident and uplifting and sees light at the end of the tunnel. Sarah, you're furloughed. It's the first time I did that. I don't know. But um, that's all it is, everybody. It's common sense. You look at that situation and you ask yourself, you know, if I'm still on the roster and I'm a little low on the food chain, what would be your feeling? Oh, you know, my job might be in jeopardy next. I got to turn it up a notch. So what are you going to read Monday? The overall vibe in the WWE locker room is that some people feel that they could be next. So they are going to turn it up a notch and hopefully they're not a uh, fire. That's all it is. It's all it is. It's just guessing. It's guessing. This isn't exclusive news. You're furloughed. Shut up. David Peralta. What's going on, my friend? What's up? Yeah, you know, see, look, I'm starting to actually figure out how to do this. The only thing I got to figure out is why my face keeps showing up. The podfather face? Because everybody's face should be coming up now. You know, your own things. By the way, you know, I'll let everybody know this too. And then we could we could talk about uh, Tamina's match today and Dana Brooks. Oh, good. Good golly. That's going to be nice. Um, a couple of you gave me an idea. I'm going to maybe do the final step this weekend. But apparently on YouTube, you can have like memberships and stuff like that and uh yeah no thank you anthony man i i just i love it you know but uh yeah hey look you know that's the beauty about doing this youtube thing like you could just keep you know like building on it this so i by the way i didn't even tell anybody holy shit i didn't even tell anybody and i'm a little pissed off because i got them inside i already got part of it but few people have been giving me ideas of do more on this youtube page let me share a couple with you. And look, you are the ones that are going to dictate where things go on the page. And by the way, if you're enjoying the episode, please hit the like button. I would appreciate it. If you enjoy the channel, hit the subscribe button. I want to hit 10,000 by next week, and we're getting close. We're getting close. You know, we're getting close. Honey, I'm getting close. Uh, but check this out. A um, few people were showing me that you can have memberships on YouTube. And the idea of memberships is like, yeah, like custom emojis and stuff like that. But my thinking is, is like, we'll do some Q and A's down the line and you'll have exclusive rights to like sending Q and A's. Some people told me to put up like a membership where you could like ask me like a whole shitload of stuff. And I do like a video personalized for like one person, like 30 minutes long and stuff like that. Also, I have coming to me in the next week to 10 days. Uh, a balloon machine and all of these like adult balloons that say like, go fuck yourself. You know, you smell like shit or you, you have a, it's just like really messed up balloons. And I'm going to have it set up to these smart plugs. 
So when certain super chats come in behind me, this son of a bitch is going to just start blowing up balloons behind me without me touching a damn thing. And the balloons, when they blow, it's going to be all random stuff. There's some horrible, horrible un-PC stuff where, you know, I, I could get in a little bit of trouble with some of the balloons. I, I don't know how bad we're going to go with that. But the only thing I'm thinking about right now is do I let the balloons keep blowing until they pop? Or do I actually stop it and just keep behind me what the balloon says and everything? Also, you know those like New Year's Eve things that you like pop and like glitter and stuff go out? This surroundings over here, it would be it would be a pain in the ass to clean that shit up, especially those tiny little glitter things. You ever buy that from a magic store? You really want to piss somebody off? They have these tiny, tiny little glitter things. In fact, there was an episode of Forensic Files where there was some like barnyard party and a woman, this girl, she like she was throwing like these little like sparklers in everybody's hairs. If you ever watched that episode, if I got that shit thrown in my hair, I'll punch it right in the fuck fucking mouth because you can't get rid of that stuff and the girl ends up getting killed and like tiny little sparkles fell on the fucking guy that killed her. i'm sure you saw that episode but there's some of these like little glitter things that no matter what i could vacuum i could do everything possible in this room 10 years from now i'll still be finding glitter but i found these giant fucking new year's eve party poppers that let out like giant pieces of paper and stuff like that and uh boneyard party is that what it is so yeah i think that's what a barnyard party now boneyard is the undertaker barnyard party so i have these things coming too so maybe down the line we'll set a couple of these off in in here and we'll just you'll just see like paper going all over the place then when the show is over it'll suck because I'll have to clean it all up, but you know, just little things, little ideas going through my head, just trying to make it more fun. And uh, I think Mish and I are going to do the one chip challenge next week. Uh, today was a little bit hectic because Mish was doing a few things, but yeah, thank you for the, the backdrop. Uh, AJ Moore, he's on my Twitter. I follow him. You really should all follow him because he is a wonderful artist. I mean, Shaheen and Nuclear Heat Graphics is awesome too. But some of his artwork behind me is uh, A.J. Moore. I call him Art Moore. He was at uh, the um, the uh, big event autograph thing that, you know, from about a month ago, five weeks ago, with uh, that I was hanging out with Mish and all that. You, you remember that. But, yeah, the artwork behind me um, that A.J. Moore did the Roddy Piper one, did the John Moxley one. I have a really cool one in the inner circle. I don't know if I ever showed you guys. I don't think I did. Hang on. Let me see. I'll see if I can find it quickly. I don't think I can. I don't think I can, but um, let me see. I don't have it handy, but I you got to see some of the artwork. He did one of the Inner Circle. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. I could go off my seat. I'm not wearing... I'm wearing jeans. I'm, I'm not wearing, like, underwears and stuff. Like, I'm dressed. I'm dressed, everybody. But you know what? Next week, I'll show you some of the artwork. It's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I don't know where what I did with it right now, but uh, so I got some ideas. But um, getting back to SmackDown, man. Um, first off, I don't know what what happened with Daniel Bryan. Doesn't he have a wife, a pregnant wife, and a kid? I mean, isn't like Birdie tur turning into like an owl? I mean, the kid's getting older as every day goes by. Why is this guy? I mean, I understand, 
you know, because the roster is a little bit light right now, and some people, some big names are not around, and Roman Reigns is not around, but, you know, this guy, go home, spend some time with your, your pregnant wife and your kid. He was supposed to put himself in quarantine for 14, 15 days, you know? I, I mean, unless he's just quarantining himself with Cesaro. Why isn't Cesaro in this Money in a Bank match? We're all huge fans. We're all huge fans of Daniel Bryan. He's one of the top performers. I mean, it's not even a question. But why is Cesaro not getting this opportunity? I, I don't get that. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I honestly, look, I'd rather have Daniel Bryan on TV than quarantined or home with his family as a selfish wrestling fan. But Daniel Bryan, I mean, you know, this guy's gotten so many. Just think about that. Remember the WrestleMania predictions when Drew Gulak won that match so Daniel Bryan could fight at WrestleMania? Remember what I said? Drew Gulak won that match. Why isn't Drew Gulak in the match at Mania? Why is he winning this for Daniel Bryan? I think this is time now where, you know, maybe you give a little bit of an opportunity to someone else, especially under the circumstances. I mean, Cesaro has been showing up there. I mean, let's also, let's be careful and hope to God that, you know, Cesaro isn't cut, you know, but my God, this guy, you know, you look at people who haven't been heavyweight champs yet. And I'm not saying Cesaro is going to be a heavyweight champion anytime soon, but you think that he would get a little bit of an opportunity. That guy should have been in the Money in the Bank match. Um, shout out to John Cena, 2011. He's 26 years old. Been listening since 2006. Wait, that's 14. Oh, so he's, he's 12 years. Wow, man. You, you went through puberty and everything listening to our stuff. That's, that's awesome, man. Much love. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, the minority report days, my God, that, that was interesting. That was interesting. You know, overall, I had fun, man. You know, it ended kind of caca, but overall, I had fun. But, you know, <sighs> Carmelo thinks that Cesaro's lack of promo skills, I don't know, man. It just, I, maybe, maybe because this is like a, I hate to say this, but Money in the Bank's going to be like a throwaway pay-per-view. I don't even know if there's going to be any title changes. Speaking of title changes, can anybody explain to me why New Day are tag champs again? I mean, I enjoy New Day just like anybody else out there. But, you know, this is like, it's not, it's not just jumping the shark. It's like jumping the whole fucking ocean. Seriously, you see that video clip the other day of that guy in Poland, that moron that jumped over that thing with his car? Did you see that on Twitter like the last two, three days? I mean, honestly, that that's the new day. And that fucking roundabout thing is, you. I don't get that. I, the, only, the only reason I could possibly think is that the younger fans are into New Day still. And because it's SmackDown on Fox and it's more of a kid-friendly show, you know, that maybe New Day is better fitted. Who knows? Maybe Miz wants to take time off and maybe he doesn't feel comfortable. I, I don't know what the deal is. All I know is that wasn't Miz like injured less than two weeks ago and now he's miraculously better. There's something more about that story that that I think that uh, that 
we don't know about. I don't like speculating. I don't think, no, Lee, under no circumstances, Miz is not being punished if he was sick. You, you don't. You, you don't do that. By the way, did you see the dumb reports today that Vince, Vince McMahon made the call to not mention Roman Reigns' name when they pulled him out of Maine? Did you see that stupid report today? You know why that was put up there? Just as a, a way of getting people angrier at Vince for letting go everybody this week. So if you read that, just ignore it because it's garbage. I mean, I did point out, you know, it, it's weird how we always point out stuff on this show over here and then miraculously they turn into news like a week later. You notice that? I noticed that a lot. It's just, there's so much god-awful stuff out there. But, um, but getting back to SmackDown, I don't get Cesaro not being in Money in a Bank. I don't get why the New Day are tag champs again other than a SmackDown on Fox move. Um, and maybe Miz takes a little time off. I don't know. Tamina getting the shot against Sasha Banks tonight and beating her. Um, yeah, I know Lacey Evans came out and you know Lacey Evans holding up Tamina's arm was a little bit odd. And Lacey Evans basically saying that now, you know, wherever Sasha Banks goes, she's going to follow her or Bailey or whatever it is. I think next week we have Sasha versus uh, Lacey Evans. Isn't that a Money in a Bank qualifying match next week? I think next week also we have Baron Corbin versus Drew Gulak for Money in the Bank. Now... Honestly, because of what they did today with Baron Corbin attacking Elias, to me, the only reason why that was done is to have Elias show up next week, cause Baron Corbin to lose the match, and Drew Gulak gets a spot in Money in the Bank. Uh, Tungun Lacey did not get rid of the uh, Southern gimmick yet. If you actually, if you go back and watch the promo she cut tonight, she still is, you know, talking a little bit with a Southern accent. Um, Jeff Hardy, you know, the promo hyping it up and Seamus getting a little bit annoyed that Michael Cole's talking about Jeff Hardy. Look, this is all about nostalgia. This is all about a guy that has been on the contract now for a couple of years, has been injured, has had some substance issues, you know, they showed a couple of clips today talking about 09 and 11, you know, him being inebriated. And it's funny because if you go back at that time, do you remember that night when he was in the diner? Remember that? Remember when that whole thing? I mean, we've, I've beat that to death. That whole period, you know, that was just like a really dark time for Jeff Hardy. And the reason why they're bringing it up now, it almost reminds me of Jake the Snake Roberts in what? What was it? 1996 when, you know, he was trying to come back and, you know, trying to beat his demons and John C. And that was the birth of Austin 316. It's almost like, you know, trying to be redemption for Jeff Hardy, but I don't see it. I don't see right now. I don't see Jeff Hardy suddenly becoming heavyweight champion. I think they need somebody who is a clear-cut baby face that the fans love, that the girls still get wet to, that the kids still enjoy. He puts on the face paint as long as he doesn't do Willow. You know, <laughs> he's replacing Roman Reigns right now as the baby face. That's what it is. You know, it sounds like Jeff Hardy may be feuding with Sheamus the way that's coming off. And yeah, Jeff's first title run was a flop, but 
you know, that's what happens, man. I don't know if that opportunity comes back. Look, if you want to close Jeff Hardy's book the best way possible, Jeff Hardy never has any drinking issues ever again. Jeff Hardy never has any substance abuses ever again. Jeff Hardy wins a heavyweight championship. Not retiring as the champion, but reaching the mountaintop one more time. That's the best way you could close out Jeff Hardy's career. Problem is, sooner or later, you kind of feel, and you know me, man, I said earlier this week, I am not going to turn around and say, oh, AEW should pick all these people up. Leo Rush? Absolutely. Not even close. Leo Rush is a guy that, you know, you just, you see where he was and where he's become. And, uh, you know, just to, to bring this up, too, um, it was Markell that said Leo couldn't handle unemployment from Emelina. Uh, you know, Leo is a guy that really worked hard, man. Not a lot of what he did you're aware of, and I'm not aware of either, but that guy worked hard. And, you know, we really haven't seen him all that much. We don't know if this guy doesn't feel comfortable wrestling right now with coronavirus. There are, you know, there are some people out there that really felt uncomfortable. And I wonder since WWE, and I'm not saying this for Leo or anybody in particular, there's got to be some some of those names. Too coincident, too coincidental that some of those names have not been on TV for a while. Instead, we get, who's this fucking guy today? Denzel Dijonette. It sounds like a fucking like a, a early bird special at a diner. You know, hey, Mansoor. Mansoor, he's a wrestler, isn't he? Hey, waiter, give me the Dijonette. Give me, give me that. Dijonette, you know, no salt. Dijonette, that's what it sounds like. So, come on, you got Denzel Dijonette, but you can't have some of the guys that they let go. Something tells me that some of these guys did not feel comfortable traveling right now, working during coronavirus, and since WWE had to trim the overhead, those were probably some of the people that were at the top of the list to go. You know, if you really look at it, there, there wasn't that many names that were let go, that were there on a regular basis. Sure, Gallows and Anson and others, but then you go back and you remember that they, they were not happy with their contracts either. They negotiated a pretty fucking nice deal. And, you know, they I guarantee you, WWE probably felt a little bit at that time like, you know, motherfucker, we overpaid for these motherfuckers. Not that they didn't deserve it. Gals and Anderson deserve big money contracts. The thing is, is that what they deserve and how WWE uses them are two different things. And that was the problem with Gals and Anderson. You and I know Gals and Anderson should be looked at as in the top two or three teams in the WWE the last five years or whatever it is. And the way they were treated, you know, sometimes it was it was pretty hard to, to deal with. Shout out to Bryant. He's 36, been listening to myself, Soup, Sala Monster. Bet you thought I was going to skip Kevin's name. Since 2010, thank you very much, my friend. I really appreciate that. Just keep tuning in because, like I said, you know, going video is a whole new animal. Still getting used to it, man. And uh, like I said last week, 
I kind of felt bad because I wanted to incorporate a little bit of super chats on the screen and I've reached out. Look, I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't contact anybody specifically and said, hey, blah, blah, blah. How do you do this with it? But I put it out there. And a lot of people knew I put it out there that I could use a little help. And you know how many people stepped up to help me? So I said, fuck that. I'll stay up till three o'clock in the morning and I'll try to fucking figure this shit out myself. So in fact, I got little things that are going to pop up soon where uh, a lot of other chats are going to pop up as well. Little by little, you know, my most biggest concern was when we were getting some little video issues and audio issues and that pissed me off man because i'm used to handling the helm you know all by myself and i don't mind that i like being in control make no bones about it i love being in control um got to give another shout out to swan he's talked to kevin a lot about uh killer cross could absolutely tear it up with champa cross is really good in the ring great on the mic yeah Absolutely, man. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. And for all of you out there, you could go do a little research. I mean, I'm just going to say, because I tell it like it is. When, he, you know, everybody was raving about Timothy Thatcher on NXT. Wasn't it Timothy Thatcher and Killer Cross that signed pretty much at the same time with WWE? And I did a segment here giving the bios of Cross and Thatcher, bringing up both, talking about their backgrounds, letting everybody know, you know, I don't think anybody else was talking about Thatcher at that time. And do you know, seriously, and you could go look it up, to this day, that clip of me talking about Thatcher and talking about Cross is the lowest viewed clip in the entire four months that I'm on YouTube. And when I saw that, I was like, man, I don't think... The, a lot of these diehard, strictly WWE fans realize how much of a grab that is. That guy is going to tear it up. I mean, it's no secret that he used to be a loyal listener of our shows before he ever got into pro wrestling, Killer Cross. And, you know, I'm extremely happy for him. You know, uh, He's not going to suddenly be my number one favorite wrestler because this isn't like Goodfellas where Joe Pesci got made and Ray Liotta and De Niro standing in the phone book like waiting for the call that the, he, he's made and the ceremony is over. You know, we never hung out, never broke bread or anything like that. But to, to hear somebody, a local homeboy from New York, from our neck of the woods, who really came up you know, with an uncertain future and just was obsessed and dedicated and dedicated and dedicated and turn his fucking life around and kill it. And not only that, and this is something that everybody seems to forget about yours truly. When I was doing my history shows, at the end of every show, I would talk about people who died, but I would also say notable debuts and I bring up blah, 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 blah. And I said that the two wrestlers who have been in wrestling less time than anybody else that I honestly thought that was going to tear it up was Killer Cross and Lars Sullivan. Because both of those guys, if you look it up, they're not in wrestling all that long. Yeah, I know what happened with Lars, and, you know, I still root for the guy. You know, I don't hold, everybody makes mistakes, some worse than others. 
it's if you grow up and you learn and you, you know, repent and you grow up in here, you know, I, I, I think everybody is, it should always be given a chance at redemption. Um, but those are the two guys. And I, I can't wait to see where it goes. Absolutely. Um, I'd love to bring back the history shows, Jody. The problem is, is number one, they can never make YouTube. Because the minute I start playing clips, I'm going to get copyright strikes everywhere. Second thing is, is that they did so much fucking research, like with um, Howard Finkel. God rest his soul. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, I paid tribute to Howard Finkel a few times on history shows. And um, the match that I still, if just to go to, just to laugh, is when they tried to turn Howard Finkel heel in 2002. And he's feuding with Lillian Garcia, calling her a hooker. And, you know, he, I, pl I put up the link on my Twitter yesterday. Go look it, look it up and watch it. Stacey Keebler comes out and she's like, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Fink. But, you know, and she says something like she's out there so Trish Stratus doesn't get involved. And Fink is like, speaking of uh, interrupting, you know, you're interrupting, uh, inter no, interfering. Speaking of interfering, you're interfering with something in my pants. He was playing, it, it, look, gouge, it was a tasteless angle, but that is the complete opposite of Howard Finkel. I guess we could stay on the topic. 69 years old, native New Jerseyan, um, got to meet him three times in my life, two times through Georgia and Macropolis, God rest his soul, uh, too long for me to get into her right now. Um, she was a saint. I miss her tremendously, man. If anybody out there wants to see some fun stuff I've written in the past about Georgianne, just do a Google search. Type in Georgianne Macropolis and my my full name, Anthony de Blasi, and you see uh, all the stuff that has come up. So that's that's one thing. I have uh, a little, you know, little history online. Um, and, you know, before we even talk about the Fink, Dalvin says the mateless dateless complain so much about the AEW ratings. It, last week I said NXT was going to win by a hair. I was I messed up Wednesday because at the very end I forgot to give you my prediction. Now I'm going to be honest. Did I think NXT was going to win again this week? No, I thought AEW might have beat them a little bit because T Timothy Thatcher is not a household name yet, and as much as Moxley and Hager was a disappointment in the ratings. I still thought it would do better than a match with Timothy Thatcher in it. it, it you didn't have fans in droves tuning in to see Killer Cross make his debut. It, it, that wasn't happening. And it, and he showed up at 9.58 and 9.59. But, um, you know, but getting back to the Fink, um, you know, I got to meet him three times in my lifetime. Funny thing is, is that when I used to go to the Ridgewood Grove Arena in 1983, I honestly don't remember um, who did the ring announcing. And Swan, I'll get back into into Cross in a moment. But um, actually, you know, you know, let's finish the Cross conversation. I think that's and we could spend Fink uninterrupted because I know a lot of you out there have some memories, but. Swan's favorite thing about Cross, heavyweight technical wrestler. 
you know, he loves the technical wrestling, the suplexes, holds, grapples. And, you know, we got the American strong style. I absolutely agree. But the one element that you left out about Cross is when he talks, you know, you legitimately, like, you think, like, there's a couple of screws loose because he is so methodical in what he says. You know, a few people were, were like, a little bit concerned. that, Like, I was talking about... Um, what was his name? Uh, he, uh, Sam Shaw. He, he, now in, I forget his name now in NXT. Thinking that, oh my God, you know, Sam Shaw's gimmick, you know, in uh, NXT now is the same as Killer Cross. Not even close. Sam Shaw is silent with the eyes and just, you know, the just the, that look, like just totally scares. Dexter Loomis, thank you, Raven. Dexter Loomis, I fucking love it. I love it. And like I said, he looks like, you know, I, I, I can't say it. I can't say it. I'll, I'll I'll make a little tease of it. He looks a little bit like a like a former member of the Truth Commission from WWF. You know, with the militant pants and all that. He, you know what? I'll just say it. I'll say it. Dexter Loomis looks like if you remember in the '90s and all of the um, the fighting in South Africa with the South African, the blacks, and the white police. He looks like one of those policemen from South Africa in the 90s that was abusing all of the South Africans there. I don't know if anybody knows, remembers that time era, but he, he looks like somebody, like a like a military guy from South Africa. He also, getting off a of race, he looks like, like somebody who would have been in Rambo. Remember like the like going to the foreign country and killing he yeah, he looks like somebody who was involved in, in the military, like the apartheid. And um Johnny Z, yes, Killer Cross's name now is Carrion Cross. And I have no problem with that. Uh but Killer Cross, his talking is going to be what puts him over the edge. You know, his in-ring ability is top-notch. And I definitely advise a lot of you out there, if you never really paid attention to Killer Cross's in-ring career, go on YouTube because there's some great stuff on YouTube. In fact, uh, you know, I wouldn't put, George, I wouldn't call um, him Colonel De Beers Dexter Loomis, because Colonel De Beers, that was some. They they really were. They look. There's nothing about Dexter Loomis that it, it, his character's not from South Africa, and he's not a military guy. He just looks like he looks like one of those evil guys from a Rambo film that Sylvester Stallone was going after. But um, the Killer Cross, go on YouTube. There's a great match of him versus John Moxley from a year or so ago. There's some great matches of him versus um, trying to think of some really good ones. The Johnny Johnny Impact stuff was fabulous, but there's some really really good matches of Killer Cross on YouTube. You want to get a and the reason why I say YouTube and not Impact or anything like that is because you'll see a whole diverse group of people that he's faced. Um, in fact, somebody who's in the ladder match or the Cruiserweight Tournament next week, Jake Atlas. I think he fought Jake Atlas as well. He's fought a whole different caliber of talent, and he's adapted 
nicely. Some feds, he's this insane psycho. And some other feds, you know, he's like a, almost like a beloved baby face. It's going to be interesting. But the one thing that is absolutely necessary, and that's why I think Champa is the perfect uh, compliment to kill a cross right now, carrying cross, is um, Champa could go. You know, you put him in the ring with someone that can't go, they ain't going to be able to keep up with him. You know, there's, that's why sometimes it's a little frustrating to see Kyrie Sane or Asuka take on someone like an Alexa Bliss uh, because it's not that Alexa Bliss is turning it up a notch to stay toe-to-toe with Asuka and Kyrie Sane. It's no. Asuka, and look, Alexa Bliss, she's got to get more seasoning, more years under her belt, but you always want to feel like somebody bring someone to another level, not that somebody brings someone down another level. And that's why what I've felt a lot happens with Oscar. Next week, we have uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus Dana Brooke and Carmella. First off, that's going to end up in a clusterfuck because Dana Brooke, somebody's going to interfere because of the ladder. I'm telling you, I was really unhappy with today's SmackDown. And I know we... We're talking about Fink, but you know what? Let's get SmackDown out of the way, and we'll talk a couple of minutes for Fink. But Tamina over Sasha Banks, which we talked about already. Blah, blah, blah. Um, Sheamus destroying Denzel Dijonette. I'll take Dijonette with potatoes, please. Naomi losing to Dana Brooke. Whatever. I'm telling you, this this is feels this feels like a throwaway pay-per-view. I know it's gonna be creative and all that. There's gotta be some massive special effects somewhere. And later on, I'll talk about the rules of Connecticut. And we'll try to figure out how is WWE having money in the bank in Connecticut. Some of it, not all of it. I need to stress that. Daniel Bryan. Losing, uh, excuse me, winning the Money in the Bank qualifier against Cesaro, which to me makes no sense. It was a great match, almost 15 minutes long, but Cesaro, I think a lot of people want to see Cesaro. You know, Daniel Bryan is obviously the more popular name. You need some big names in that match. Maybe because Gulak wins next week, maybe it's to set up that little teaser of Gulak and Daniel Bryan going at it a little bit, which I actually wouldn't mind. You know, it'll be interesting to see Gulak and Brian climbing up the ladder together, you know. And then uh, the main event today. New Day re- reclaim the tag titles. It just, I don't know, the match fell flat. I wonder if there's something a little bit more to it. Um, maybe we get a title change, you know, again in the very near future. It almost felt like more of a, ploy, a play for SmackDown on Fox. Uh, They don't have Roman Reigns right now. So let's focus a little on New Day, focus a little on Jeff Hardy, focus a little on Daniel Bryan. You know, you got to keep the little kiddies happy. And and honestly, the the kids are a big part of Friday night's wrestling. So I have nothing against Dana Brooke. Swan, in all sincerity, I have nothing against her personally. She's gone through tragedy. You know, she's overcome that. I mean, you'll never, you know, when you lose someone, you know, it's something you never fully get over, but she's been able to carry on, which is good. Dana Brooke, though, you know, she debuted, I think, five years ago, 
And, you know, all I know is for the last three years, my time, it's my time. When you think about the highlight of her main roster career is that one match not too long ago where she did that one dive to the outside of the ring. That is the highlight of her main roster career, that one spot. And when she did the spot, it almost looked like she might have like looked around like, like, like Urkel, like, did I do that? Holy shit, did I do that? You know, I remember when she won a couple of matches last year and people like, oh, they're finally giving Dana the opportunity and people were getting pissed off at me. I'm like, no, man, they're just putting her in that match so she's going to get a bunch of victories now to give that suspension of disbelief. Like, hey, maybe she can win the big one. I'll tell you, if Dana Brooke wins the Money in the Bank ladder match, I will I will do do something ridiculously stupid on this show. I won't say I'll eat shit or anything like that, but I, I'll do something. I'll, I'll let you guys to maybe uh, figure out what the, the... It just feels, again, it's just trying to give the suspension of disbelief that maybe she could possibly win it. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Um, she was with Titus Worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Come on, you're trying to tell me that, was, that didn't feel random? You know, when she's like doing... Just felt like, you know what it felt like. It felt like when you have like the co- like the high school football team all sitting at like the lunch table, and they're all laughing at a joke, and some geek walks up and he's like, <laughs> "What are we, what are we joking about, guys? What are we joking about, guys?" And he's like standing, and everybody's looking like, "The fuck are you doing at this?" Day? That's what it looked like. It it looked like she was just like standing next to that table, like, "Oh, what are we all talking about?" Uh, and then everybody just gets up and walks away. You know, that's that's how it feels to me. I'm sorry, that's just the way it feels. Yeah, she had the clipboard, big deal. Now, if she would have climbed the table, you know, and had Stacey Keebler's music playing and she was wearing like the really, really short miniskirt, okay, maybe I would have thought otherwise. No, I still wouldn't. I'm not into brunettes. I'm in, I mean blondes, I'm into brunettes. So, uh, by the way, did anybody notice somebody who does backstage interviews, who is not there. I don't know if anybody noticed. Not trying to speculate anything, but uh, that was SmackDown today. You know, nice tribute to Fink. You know, this is something that it happens in TV across all forms of entertainment. I don't know if a lot of you realize this or not, but a lot of the tribute that was played to Fink today was already done. Um, with a lot of company, you ever notice when somebody sometimes dies and then two hours later roars on and somehow they have this unbelievable, beautiful package with music and narrating and stuff, you know, they don't have that fucking guy just sitting in the back room, just waiting for someone to die, you know, to do the tributes. They record a lot of these early on and they keep them on standby. Sometimes some things need to be updated. But most of the stuff for Fink, that's why if you actually like look at it closely, there wasn't anything really specific about the last year or two. It was like spending across five decades, you know. So a lot of that stuff, yeah, Lion, they have uh, tributes for a lot of older people already in the, in the, the can, as some people would say. It's just the way it is. I mean, it's not, you know, something that's you should think is terrible. 
that's just the way it is in the entertainment world. They have vignettes, they have packages made up for a lot of older wrestlers who unfortunately, you know, and Fink was in poor health for the last couple of years. Tommy Dreamer was very close to the guy. Now, um, 69 years old, I mean, he was the voice, as everybody was writing on Twitter, he was the voice of my childhood in, in announcing matches. You know, I, I tell you, and I think a lot of people will agree on this, you know, sometimes we just take for granted the guys that announce the matches. Because I could tell you with, with the utmost honesty, when I was going to the Garden in the early 80s, and I got even the opportunity to see Hulk Hogan beat Iron Sheik. And I'm on video, and you could see it, my friend Vinny on my shoulders doing this. When Hogan came down the aisle, you could see me clear as day. Just look at my picture, you know, when, when I'm 13 years old, and and look at that. You'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. But the thing is, is that when Fink used to announce the matches, we never really paid much attention to the Fink. The only time we ever really paid attention to him. And he wasn't the only one that used to do it because I used to get that at the Ridger Grove Arena is that when they would announce matches for the following show, there would always be these dramatic pauses. And I think Mel Phillips, because I was talking to a personal friend of mine today about Fink a little bit when we used to go to wrestling shows. And we were trying to remember, like, did Fink announce the the wrestlers at the Ridger Grove Arena and I honestly cannot remember if Fink ever did. I know Mel Phillips did once or twice. I don't recall if Finkel did. And the funny thing is is like again, I know somebody did because what would happen is they would announce at intermission. It would always be intermission. And they would announce some of the matches for the next card. And it was always letdowns. And you would be like, uh, like whoever would be the announcing, they would talk about the next card and it would be like, uh, Ivan Koloff will face Dominic Danucci. You know, Dominic Danucci in 1983, nobody gave a fuck about. You know, and then you would go to the garden and it would be like, uh, Roddy Piper. For he, next month he'll face. Um, it was a good one. Uh, oh, I'll give you a good one. Um, uh, Snooker's nephew. Oh my God, Androna. Uh, uh, holy shit! N not Samuel. He was just on. Um, oh my God, I remember when he had the Snooker shirt and he was doing the things with his ass. Uh, come on, you saw the dark side of the ring. Towards the end, I'm, I just drew a blank. It's it late over here. Tonga Kid, yeah. You, they would be like, he announced like who Piper's opponent would be. And Piper was feuding with Snooker at the time. And I remember this clear as fucking day. Me and my friends at the garden and Piper wasn't on that show. And they and who, it was Fink who say, next month, returning to the garden, Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. And his opponent will be. And we're all thinking fucking snooker. Because that, that Fijian strap match, I will always remember that match. It'd be this long pause. The Tonga kid! And be like, oh, motherfucker. 
And they would do that all the time. You'd be so disappointed. Oh, my God. Tonga Kid wasn't bad at that time, but Fink, you know, the funny thing about Fink, if you look at him in 1976 and you look at him in 1996, he looks the same, man. He lost that piece of hair, and that was it. It it just was gone. It's like almost like... Uh, Mike Vern Gagne, you know, Mean Gene Oakland, when he was in AWA, he had a little bit extra hair, but Vern Gagne, it's like, Mean uh, Howard Finkel and Vern Gagne had the same fucking hair. In fact, you know, I can't do it. It's so messed up. But my brother's wife's father, I swear on my mother, I, I have to, I, you know, I write his insurance. I have his driver's license because I do his car insurance. I should just block out his personal information and maybe next week post his photo here. If you took Vern Gagne and somehow he was able to fuck Howard Finkel and give birth to a child, he looks like this guy. The same exact hair, the same face with the fucking mustache. I'm telling you, it looks like a cross between the two. But, um, but Howard Finkel, you know, the 2002 stuff where he was being like the old pervert guy, it was such a complete opposite of what Howard Finkel was all about. Howard Finkel was married, family, beloved by everyone. Have you ever, ever, and look, let's also be honest. Other than Legends House, not many people, as far as fans, have paid any attention to Howard Finkel lately. He's been out of the spotlight. We knew he had health issues. You know, I know Tommy Dreamer spent a lot of time with him. A lot of wrestlers would go to see him. Everybody loved this man. Georgie Ann Macropolis, when I was got close to her, and we, you know, we, you know, the the drive we did and all that but i used to gamble with her late at night all the time and she was good friends with howard finkel and i got to meet him three times in my life two through her and the funny thing is is that i saw a clip yesterday that i laughed my ass off i really wanted to play it here i'm so afraid of getting copyright strikes over here so i got to be really careful what i put up but I promise you, if you haven't seen it yet, as soon as this show is over, go on Twitter, and I'll tell you what to search for, and you'll find it. You will laugh your ass off. Sam Roberts did an interview not too long ago, some type of public building. I don't know. I don't remember what it was all about. But on the panel, two of the people were Gallows and Anderson. And Gallows is talking about when he first got into WWE, and I guess the first person that, you know, when he was, might have been brought up to the main roster. And he said that he got a phone call from Howard Finkel and he thought it was a joke because Howard Finkel, when he talks to you on the phone, he does similar. And it's funny because I was talking about it Wednesday. Remember on Wednesday when I said that Keith Lee reminded me of Mean Gene Oakland, that we, even when Keith Lee does an interview segment, it sounds like he's cutting a promo. Remember Wednesday? I'm going to have this water because I'm thirsty. I mean, that's what you, but Mean Gene Oakley used to do that too. And Howard Finkel did that as well. And Gallows, the clip is up. I think Sam Roberts might have even put it up today. Gallows is talking about how he got a phone call from Fink. 
And Fink was telling him that, you know, you know, like, this is Howard Finkel. Yeah, you're being brought to the main roster, and your first opponent is Kane. And, but he was talking like that on the phone, and Gallows thought it was a joke. But Gallows does a funny spot-on impersonation of, of Howard Finkel. Oh, man. He, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And, yeah, Jonathan, you know what? I got to say this before I forget. I know we jumped back and forth, but that's okay. I felt bad for Big Show. I don't understand why so many people ripped his new TV show. I'm not trying to like brag and say I told you so, because I know a lot of you out there knew the same thing I did. I brought up that old 80s show, Learning the Ropes, Lyle Alzado. Brought that up a couple of weeks ago. And that show was a wrestling show. Ironically, you know, I brought it up that his wrestling name was The Mask Maniac. And you go back and you watch it. It's corny. It's goofy. It's cool to see Hawk and Animal and other wrestlers show up on the show. But that's what it was. And when I started seeing clips of Big Show's show coming, it gave me vibes of learning the ropes. And that's what it is. It's over the top. It's goofy. I mean, you know, some of the appearances from the wrestlers, it's just like family entertainment. I don't know what people thought they were getting. The only problem I had with Big Show's show is and I know a few of you out there have also expressed this complaint. This fucking wife, seriously, they need to do a storyline soon where maybe she gets ill and she dies and maybe Big Show becomes a single parent. Maybe that's a new direction they could go with the show and maybe it'll be even better. She is overacting to the point where... Like, I, I, you know, I, I want to see an episode where Big Show just picks her up and just chokeslams her. She, I, she is, she's horrible. She's horrible. I, 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 none against her personally. But, yeah, no, Mystery Man, the show of co- was definitely too corny. That's what it was always supposed to be. I don't know what, look, I maybe the way they were hyping it up, they could have done a little bit of a better job preparing people of what they were going to see but but on the on the opposite side of that though what did you expect them to say this is going to be corny this is going to be goofy yeah maybe if big show did some more interviews and you know said look it you know but it's not that bad man it's not that bad it's a goofy movie big show god bless him that he is still on this earth the size that he is you know, a lot of people, I think, including he would say that, you know, he is, you know, probably lived way past his expected expiration date. God bless that man. It's not, it's a kids, family friendly show. It's goofy. It's corny. It's over the top. Little kids will laugh at you. Ever, you know, look, you know, I know a lot of you out there aren't parents, but you ever have like a bit like a younger brother or a younger sister or maybe a niece or a nephew or somebody, or if you're older, you ever have your kids 
and you take them to watch like some movie in the movie theaters or they watch some TV show and you're watching this and you're like, the fuck am I doing here? But yet you look over and you see your little brother, your little sister, or your kids or your niece or nephew, you know, or your cousin, and they're laughing it up and they're loving it. And they got this giant smile on their face. It's like, yes, it's like franchise, like an 80s family sitcom. That's why I said I thought it was going to be learning the ropes. Not same storyline, but that's what it is. That's what it is. It, it's not as bad as, as people are portraying it to be. But, um, but getting back to Fink, nobody has a bad story about the guy. You know, when I met him twice, I shook his hand. You know, the first time, you know, nice to meet you, Howard Finkel. You know, and uh, friendly, friendly. And, um, you know, the Legends House stuff, I really felt bad for him because he had gained a lot of weight. And, you know, he was struggling because of those weight issues. Now, you know, a lot of you know that, you know, I have dropped about 60 pounds or so in the last year. But I used to weigh 100, over 100 pounds more than I weigh now. And trust me, you know, when I had my diverticulitis surgery a little over a year ago, and then I had my gallbladder taken out and still had some health issues, you know, it's, you know, when you start getting up there in age, you know, it scares you a little bit. It really does. And, you know, let me just make a little perspective here. 2002, when Howard Finkel, and that's another thing about Howard Finkel. Howard Finkel was there for 44 years, the first WWF employee, 44 years. He died 69. So Howard Finkel was 25 fucking years old in 1976 when he announced that match. Did he look 25 or did he look 40? So... That's number one. Number two is when he did, and I put that link up on Twitter yesterday from 2002 when he was feuding with Lillian, and it culminated with the evening gown versus tuxedo match. All right, that was 18 years ago. So Howard Finkel is slightly older than yours truly. You know, he was 51 or 50 at the time. So when you realize that, 2002 doesn't feel like yesterday, obviously, but it's not that long ago. And just like that, 69 years old. So, you know, he he had a great life, man. And Bruce Pritchard did a show today. I don't know if it was his Patreon show or not, but I saw a lot of people reacting on social media that he was tearing up a couple of times. Howard Finkel is one of those extremely extremely beloved people you know the last person that i can recall that much love for was mean gene oakland when mean gene oakland died i'm not 52 no name i'm younger than what he was at that time but but mean gene oakland's passing was the last one that i remember just the outpouring of love bobby heenan but Bobby Heenan, there were some people that were not thrilled with Bobby Heenan. You know, I mean, Ultimate Warrior, yeah, but there were some. But as far as just across the board, absolutely beloved, you don't, you probably couldn't come up with 10 names. 
You know, I mean, I'm and we're, we're talking about non-wrestlers right now. Wrestlers, it's different. And plus what Vicky Guerrero said today or yesterday that um, when Eddie had passed away and they were flying his body back to, I don't know if it was Texas, and Howard Finkel had called up Vicky and said that he was going to ride back with Eddie because he didn't want him flown back alone. I mean, it doesn't get more powerful than that. I mean, you see a lot of people coming out now and paying some real big tributes to the guy. I never got to know him personally. And, you know, I know some people online that are not in the wrestling business were trying to portray that they knew that he liked this or he did this and did that. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. He never let people get into his private life all that much. It was always about wrestling. Diehard wrestling fan and just absolutely beloved. And for the younger fans out there, you know, look, hopefully it's not for decades and decades and decades. But, you know, you look at it now. I mean, I, somebody had sent something earlier. Um, yeah, I have it right here. Uh, it was David Peralta. At the end, we would not have Tony Chilmo and Lillian Garcia if it wasn't for the Fink. No, uh, it's possible we still would have had them. Because, look, we, we also have some other names in wrestling, not as beloved, but... Gary Michael Capetta comes to mind right away. David Penzer comes to mind. Mean Gene Oakland used to announce a lot of the matches as well. So, but Howard Finkel was just in a league all by himself. Um, Tony Chimble is liked, but honestly, come on. Tony Chimble, you know, is nobody. You know what I mean? You can't even bar at. But Howard Finkel, there really was no one else like him. You know, it really wasn't. And, you know, when you look back and you see all the things that he used to do besides the, like, they would try to incorporate him a little bit. He would walk with the Bushwhackers. He did the thing with DX. He, you know, he was the personal an announcer for CM Punk's match against Del Rio. You know, but I, of all of the things said, you know, Dreamer's tribute was awesome. What Vicky said was powerful. Um, I also remember what what Natty was talking about, that whenever Fink would announce Bret Hart, you know, other people would say, Bret, the hitman, Hart. That's what they would say. And he never used the word the. Like Fink would say, Bret, Bret, hitman, Hart. You know, like he would always just say hitman, Hart, would never use the word the. And, um, man, I tell you, like I said, you grow up as a wrestling fan, you didn't pay much attention to the person announcing the matches. But you realize at that time how many iconic matches that he was the one to announce the winners, the participants. Man, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. And uh, I even, you know what? I even got a kick out of Booker T. Booker T said that one of the things, and you know what? I'm sorry for being so regional with this, but New Yorkers will agree with me 1,000%, especially 
old school Yankee fans. Some baseball players weren't even Yankees. They would say, back when this man first passed away, they would say that one of the highlights of their career was going to Yankee Stadium just so Bob Shepard could announce their name and would, you know, announce their number and their name, the, you know, the, the, you know, and then Derek Jeter, after Bob Shepard died, uh, Derek Jeter would um, keep his announcement. So even though he was dead, you would hear him say, number two, Derek Jeter, you know, number two. But um, same thing with Fink. Yeah, yeah, franchise, yep. So Fink is the same thing. Some wrestlers, one of their highlights is coming to WWF or WWE and having Howard Finkel announce them in the ring. So beautiful, beautiful. He lived to be 69, maybe a little bit young. A um, lot of health issues. I just hope he didn't suffer. You know, God rest his soul. You know, not too many good people like that. I mean, look, there's a lot of good people in this world, obviously, but not someone that you you could try to dig and try to find some dirt somewhere, and you you you, you can't you can't find nothing. You can't find nothing. So, God bless him, man. So, uh, how long have we been going? My God, almost two hours, everybody. Wow. You know, I wanted to share this with everybody. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about WWE and their schedule a little bit, and let's talk about Connecticut. Sorry for those that are listening audio only. I had to take a slug of water. All right. WWE's doing this money in the bank stuff in Connecticut. I don't know if the whole pay-per-view is going to take place there. I don't think it is, to be honest with you. But I was surprised that tonight, I didn't read anywhere. Did anybody read it anywhere? Tonight, I didn't see anywhere talking about like, wait a minute, how the fuck are they doing this in Connecticut? I live in New York. Hop, skip, and a jump from Connecticut. I'm supposed to go to Mohegan Sun. The third week in May, I was believe it or not, everybody, I was supposed to be in Mohegan Sun as we speak. Last week, the the um, the uh, was it the tenth or the eleventh? Yeah, the eleventh Saturday. Last Saturday was supposed to be my engagement dinner. Yesterday, I was supposed to be going away for this weekend. We postponed it now for May twenty eighth. Hoping everything is back, somewhat back to normal by then. Tony Chimble was good too. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. But um, but Connecticut, I've been paying very close attention to because I'm supposed to go there in May. And they're doing money in the bank there. So I decided to do a little research to see how are they able to do these matches in Connecticut right now. So I looked up the executive orders that Connecticut issued as far as the restrictions due to coronavirus. And there's a couple of things that you might find interesting. I'm not going to get into them all, obviously. But you see on the news that people are not allowed to go to church and stuff like that. Most of the restrictions in Connecticut right now, they are to remain in effect until May 20th. So that's number one. Right now, you can have social gatherings of five people or less. They want you to 
practice social distancing, but you're allowed to have gatherings of five, uh, of five people or less. That's number one. You're allowed to have religious gatherings of up to 50. Okay, that's Connecticut. Restaurants and bars, takeout delivery. Retail establishments, those are retail stores. They're allowed to still be open as long as it's 50% capacity. They also have to do the social distancing and things like that. But now we get to essential business. That was the big controversy with Florida. WWE is considered essential business. Sports Illustrated wrote a great article today, and they were talking about WWE's doing stuff in Florida. And the thing that's interesting about it is um, after you read that article, you come to one conclusion. And what that conclusion is is that WWE is not, and I'm not trying to be a dick right now, I'm just saying, WWE is not essential business for Florida. Because some people, officials, have pointed out that where are the employee, Florida employees that WWE is benefiting right now? Like, people are being flown in. So, WWE is not essential business for Florida. Florida is essential for WWE business. You look at everybody working there. Yeah, you have some wrestlers that are local, but WWE is a Connecticut company. Sure, they have a school in Florida, that's not where they normally have shows. So when they have shows and their employees are there, are they helping the, the Florida economy much? What, because they order food? Because they stay in hotels? You know what I mean? So you read that Sports Illustrated article, you find it interesting, but I couldn't believe that tonight nobody was talking about Connecticut because Connecticut, they talk about essential business as well. And I looked up, essential business, essential workers, and this is the list, right? Now, I'm not going to get into details until we get to one category, but essential business in Connecticut is infrastructure. You know, it's, you know, people working, you know, in the Department of Homeland Security, things like that, government stuff, blah, 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 blah. The healthcare industry, so far common sense, Airports, airlines, commercial trucking, uh, education-related services, water operations, telecommunications, utility companies, common sense. All manufacturing and corresponding supply chains, including aerospace, agriculture, and other types of businesses. Then you have retail, including appliance stores, electronic stores, computer stores, and telecom equipment. These are businesses that can stay open. Big box stores or wholesale clubs, you know, like Costco and stuff like that. Convenience stores, gas stations, grocery stores, guns and ammunition, hardware stores, paint stores, building materials, pharmacies, liquor stores, pet stores. Okay. So far, WWE doesn't fall into any of them. Food and agriculture. Then you have uh, providers of basic necessities, including food banks, homeless shelters, construction, Services necessary to maintain the safety, sanitation, and essential operations of all residences. Vendors, including logistics and te technology support, child care and services. Defense. Then you have services. And services include, and this is the only one that WWE could fall into, I guess. Accounting and payroll. Animal shelters. Auto supply, auto repair. Bicycle repair. Building, cleaning, and maintenance, car washes, child care services, critical operations for financial banks, institutions, financial advisors, 
banks, credit unions, check cashing services, funeral homes, crematoriums, and cemeteries, golf courses and driving ranges, insurance companies, laundromats and dry cleaning, legal and accounting services, mail and shipping services, marinas, news and media. They're not news. Are they considered media? I don't know, but that's the only category. But they also say if you want an individual waiver, you have to request it. So when you go down that whole list of essential business, uh, WWE, I, I don't see where they fit in any categories in Connecticut. So how are they pulling this off? I'm curious you know, I, I don't know if that falls into news media or not. So, again, I, I, I'm curious to see if anybody asks the question to Connecticut, how is WWE doing this, you know, in Stanford, Connecticut, their WWE offices, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But I just figured I'd share that. Now, as far as the schedule, now, you know, this is being a little bit slick, but there's also an underlining reason behind this. And once the goofy websites figure this out in their brain, they'll report it as news, even though it's just them figuring common sense out. Uh, Ryan Satin and Pro Wrestling Sheet got the list of tapings and live events that WWE is going to do up until the first week of July. And, yeah, no, I agree with you, John. Money talks. Yeah, no, obviously. But I I'm, I want someone to question somebody higher up in Connecticut, and I want to hear it out of their mouth. I want to hear them say that WWE is essential business or they gave them a waiver. I want to see because, uh, you know, if WWE is granted the waiver, then why are other wrestling promotions not allowed to? Like I said, AEW could go back to Florida and do shows now. They could, as long as they're allowed in that that stadium or that building that they were having the shows in, they could do it. They can't have live crowds there, but they can do it. It wasn't just WWE. I need to stress that because I brought it up Wednesday and everybody seems to be ignoring that part. AEW can go back to Florida and record their shows if they want. Nothing's stopping them. But anyway, WWE, they got the list of their schedule from now until July, the week, first week in July. And the early word going around is that WWE is going to be doing some shows live, but they're also going to be taping some Raw and SmackDowns in advance. And the PC, the, you know, the, the, the public image right now is to cut down the amount of traveling that their wrestlers have to do. In all actuality... Once the wrestlers are there, you know, there's no extra traveling. There is lodging and food and all this other stuff. My point is, this is WWE also trimming the amount of hotel, the amount of plane, the amount of some of the things, because if they fly someone in for one or two shows, they're not staying in Florida for the whole week. They fly them back home or whatever it is. So now if they only come in once every two weeks, that is money that they save. That aspect nobody's talking about right now. But here is the schedule that is, that, like I said, that uh, Pro Wrestling Sheep made public, and it's very interesting. 
SmackDown aired live today, as you know. This Monday, Raw will air live. NXT this Wednesday will air live. Uh, next Friday, SmackDown will also be live. Now, after next Friday, SmackDown, Saturday, April 25th, they're going to tape two episodes of SmackDown. So next week, the day after next week's live SmackDown, they're going to tape May 1st and May 8th in advance. Do you remember when I said that they were going to rotate and have certain people there like every two weeks, you know, just God forbid in case, you know, they did. They, they. So they're going to tape next week, the next two weeks of SmackDown. So the SmackDown wrestlers are not going to be there again until Money in the Bank, which is May 10th, I believe. So that's, so you, after next week, you have two weeks of tape SmackDown. Monday, April 27th, they're going to tape two episodes of Raw. One that may air later that night, it may not be live, and then the following week as well. So after next, the following week, Raw doesn't come back until Money in the Bank. It's very important because they, you're not going to have anybody in Florida. for the Well, you'll have some people, but for the most part, roster, not until Money in the Bank. Now, the funny thing is, it does not say when Money in the Bank is actually going to be taped. Just figured I'd share that. Monday, May 11th, the day after Money in the Bank, one episode of Raw will be taped for later that night, and one episode of SmackDown will be taped the same night that will air on May 15th. So only going to have one day or two at the most for Raw and SmackDown there. Again, one, two, three, four. Think about that. They're going to tape SmackDown that Monday or that Tuesday, the latest. So these people will be home for the rest of the week. They won't be in and around Florida for a week or two at a time. Tuesday, May 12th, one episode of Raw will be taped for May 18th, and one episode of SmackDown will be taped May 22nd. So the synopsis of that, May 11th and May 12th, they're going to take two weeks worth of programming. They're not going to return back to Florida until May 25th. So they're going to do one, two days, and then be gone for two weeks. May 25th, they're going to take two episodes of Raw, one for that night, one for the following week. The following day, they do the same thing for SmackDown. And you know what's funny, everybody? As I'm saying this, anybody getting an old school vibe with this? Again, old school fight. What used to happen, everybody? SmackDown used to be taped live on a Tuesday night, and then we would see it air that Thursday or that Friday on television. So they're kind of going back to what they used to do. The only difference is Raw and SmackDown would be in two different arenas. Now, same building. So May 27th, two episodes of... Oh, actually, let's talk about NXT a little bit. Two episodes of NXT will be taped on Wednesday, April 29th. One will air that night, and another one will air on May 6th. So after April 29th, they do not return again until the 13th of May. When they come back on the 13th of May, they will tape two more episodes of NXT. One will air that night. One will be on uh, tape the following week. So basically, just to summarize this, they will tape Raw... April 27th, May 11th, May 25th, 
June 8th, June 15th, June 29th, and that's it. So those are the dates that they'll be in Florida. For NXT, they will be taping April 29th, May 13th, May 27th, June 9th, June 17th, and July 1st. And SmackDown, the same thing. So basically, that's what the format is going to be. They're going to tape two shows. And after next Friday, it doesn't look like any of this is going to be live. It looks like these will be recorded earlier in the day. So again, we're, this goes into July. So WWE at the minimum right now believes that they will not have any crowds at minimum until July. You add up the amount of money that they lose because of all of these house shows and these arena shows with live crowds. You know, again, this is why they had to downsize. There's no other way to put it. And some wrestlers are doing what they used to do in Impact, in TNA. They're going to wrestle two, three, four times in two or three days. So that's what's going on. So, uh, yeah, no, chat, you're right. Thursday Night SmackDown used to be taped. I remember it used to be the day after we used to get the spoilers and they were there laying around in a week. The only question now is, will we get spoilers? That's the question. Take note that we don't seem to be getting any spoilers, you know, for WrestleMania and for others when it went down for the most part. Everybody's sources seem to all have got coronavirus. Nobody seems to be around to give spoilers. It is what it is, everybody. But um, look, one thing I wanted to bring up also that I saw some people complaining about today, which just confused the shit out of me. If you remember this photo I put up earlier, this, you know, the climb the corporate ladder. All right. We got Bailey. We got Braun. We got Drew McIntyre. But oh, look at that. We got Charlotte. Why is Charlotte on Money in the Bank? Isn't Charlotte an NXT performer? Yeah, to spice it up a little bit, Charlotte will be on there as well. But I would have thought that Wednesday's episode of NXT kind of answered that. Io Shirai held the fucking briefcase. Did anybody, like, see the briefcase and not say, wait, wait, briefcase, Money in the Bank? Ugh. That's what's going to happen. Io Shirai is probably going to face Charlotte at Money in the Bank. They might have even announced it already for all I know. So, by the way, um, I kind of teased this when we first started tonight. You know, I messed up Wednesday because I forgot to give my ratings prediction. I predicted last week that NXT would win. I honestly thought AEW would squeak it this week. They did not. Ratings were not good for either company. I think... Uh, NXT, I think, did 693, and AEW might have did 682. Did you see the cute little thing that some places did? I don't know if you noticed this, but if you want a good laugh, look, I'm a supporter of AEW and NXT. I will criticize both when needed. I will praise both when needed. But you see the cute little thing that some places did? I don't want to name any individual names, but the ones that are big big diehard supporters of AEW. When they posted on Twitter the ratings, they refused to put NXT on the top line. 
what they did was because AEW's demographic, the 18 to 34, whatever it is, was higher than NXT, they put... Now, think about it as a baseball game. You know, all right, uh, Tigers beat the Yankees 2-1. to one. Do you put the fucking Yankees as on the number one and the Tigers number two? No, you put the person with the highest score always on top. That's the way it is. Somebody wins in a tennis game, it's six love, six love, six two, six love. It's not love six, two six, one six. I'm serious. Go on social media. I give you permission. Go on Twitter and just, just type in the search box, AEW ratings. Look at how many goofs that did that. They were so bitter that NXT won this week. They would not put NXT's score first. They had to put AEW's anyway, and they used the demographic to try to get away with that. I mean, how childish and how much of a pussy that you have to be for something like that. And I love it too for, you know, suddenly, oh, we should not be talking about the ratings. We shouldn't be talking about the ratings. Oh, we shouldn't. Make, I mean, it's it's amazing that the people who say that are the ones that are the most obsessed about the ratings, and the ones that will rip AEW or NXT the most are the ones that are glued to their TV more than anybody else. It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Look, NXT squeaked out a win. They squeaked out a fucking win. That's it. Bottom line. You know, I said this on Wednesday. Jake Hager has done a great job since he has been in AEW. But unfortunately, Jake Hager has really never broken to that main event status. I know we all thought at times that he would, and look, he's doing good, but, you know, sometimes you overdo it. And I think AEW's biggest problem Wednesday was not necessarily... Hager versus Moxley. It was the fact that they had like 10 people giving their predictions. It's fucking Jake Hager versus John Moxley. You do that for a massive pay-per-view. You do that for like their mania or double or nothing or something. You don't like do that all throughout the night. I mean, I just thought that that was just way overblown. And and I hope, look, AEW is still a new company. You know, just because it's seven months or whatever it is, it's still a new company. I hope they learned the lesson on Wednesday that although Hager might be a main eventer to them or, you know, Moxley is their champion, you know, sometimes you got to scale it back a little bit. And I brought this up Wednesday. Anybody pay attention over the last seven days? I mean... And I mentioned it Wednesday. You know, Britt Baker, she she broke her fucking cherry with her nose. You know, she got a busted up nose. Okay, it happens to everybody. They fucking tweeted about it like 55 times. You know, so, sometimes you overkill something and you overdo it. She broke her fucking nose or she busted her nose a little bit. All right? It fucking happens. You got a nice shirt out of it. You know, I mean, it's just they made it sound like she fucking survived the shooting. So with the Hager stuff, putting Ariel Helwani, Bellator number one, Bellator number two, Bellator number four, Taz, Excalibur, Inner Circle, Bellator number eight. But 
I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, why the fuck are you hyping this up as, as big as it is? You do realize that this is still Hager versus Moxley at the end of the day. Oh, man. So I hope they learned the lesson with that. And um, I hope, you know, they improve with that. Because, you know, I'm sorry, man. You know, the, some of those matches, we got into them one by one. They, they, I think they all, they, you know, they, they, I, I, I'm trying to say this the, the, the nicest I possibly can. But, you know, you ever like fall in love with an ugly person you know you, you fall for someone and they're like really ugly or they have like a lot of like faults about them and you know you go in public and you're around people and you know you you're looking at the person and you think that person is the most wonderful beautiful person in the world and everybody's looking like you know they they do have cream for for that shit on her face you know that right and, but like you just you get this blind love and i think AEW's got to take a step back not everything is cake and ice cream just like you can't have every fucking announcer praising that's why jericho was such a a like a just a bright light in this you know and i've been saying this since i think week 3 you know, having Excalibur and Jim Ross and Shimani, which I like all three, but all three are praising every fucking thing on there and nobody's being the wise-ass prick. You know, after a while, it gets a little bit tiresome. You need a wise-ass in the commentary boot. It can't be that everything is perfect and we're one great family. We're all together and we're all this and that because just like that beautiful, ugly person, you know, that you're with, you know, you start getting blinded by all of your faults. You refuse to acknowledge them, and you don't want to get that stigmata where, uh, stigmata, you don't want to get that stigma where they're afraid to confront their faults. So, I don't know. Just me being nutty. So, anyway, everybody, I think I'm done. I'm starting to get a little bit of a scratchy throat. Um... Uh, you know, just, just for those that are interested, you know, there is some other wrestling that is going to air next week. If you are interested, Tuesday, Impact is going to be um, having their Rebellion night one TV show. I think they're doing multiple nights, but Rebellion this Tuesday. They have advertised Ken Shamrock versus Sammy Callahan, Ace Austin versus Willie Mack for the X Division Championship. By the way, who the fuck was that 75-year-old again? Oh, man, what the hell was his name? It was like Mike something. It, it was funny because the name sounded like somebody famous from a different sport. What the hell was his name? Anybody remember that guy's name? It was like 75 years old. Mike Jackson. Yeah, yeah, that's Mike Jackson. 70-something <laughs> years old, and he's walking across the ropes and everything. You know, God bless somebody that age that could do that, but... Just, just as you're doing that, just watch, you know, um, Johnny Swinger. Just watch Swinger. I mean, it gets to a point. No wonder why the crowd wasn't like in going batshit in an uproar. You know, when you go walk the first and second rope, all right, it's fine. But when you're like, I mean, the guy could have fucking walked to the corner to buy milk and walked all the way back and he still wasn't finished. And you got... Um, you look, he looked great. No, he looked great. But again, look at Swinger. You know, it's supposed to be suspension of disbelief. And all Swinger is doing is 
Come on. You know, walk the ropes for five seconds, seven seconds. You know, when you do it for fucking 75 seconds, that's like, you know, that's dickplex stuff. You know, sometimes less is more. Walk one side of the rope, you know, and then hit him. You want to show more talent? After you hit him, when he's on the mat, go climb it and walk the other rope. Hit him again. So at least, at least Swinger has a suspension of disbelief that he got hit in the shoulder twice. Now he's all wobbly. Then you walk the third rope. Hit him again. Jump off, hit him. Walk the fourth rope. Instead, he's walking around the rope, walking around the rope, and all swagger. Swinger, swinger, not swagger, swinger. It gets to, look, we're we're all, God bless him that he can do that, but it gets to a point where it's like, come on, man, that's dickplex category. Let's be honest. Let's be honest, seriously. You know, that shit hurts, man, after a while. I bet you he probably had a sore chest after, but go back and watch it. He could have, seriously, he could have walked the whole ring, but jump off three times, you know? Maybe they were afraid that he'd have a Sid moment, you know? Where, you know, the, the ankle's facing this way and the foot is facing this way and the leg is facing this way. So, anyway. Um, so, we got Shamrock versus Sammy Callahan. Ace Austin versus Willie Mack for the X Division title. Kara Hogan versus Kylie Ray. Tommy Dreamer, Rhino, and a mystery partner. Maybe it's Sabu, I don't know. Versus Madman Fulton, Jack, Jake Christ, and Dave Christ. And, uh, hey, you know, it's it's uh, a night of wrestling. You know, enjoy whatever you can get right now, and we'll have fun. You know, I think we'll talk about it. I'll talk about it on Wednesday Night Dynamite for sure. But uh, I appreciate it, everybody. Now, for those that are part of my Patreon, patreon.com slash Don Tony, I am doing a solo episode uh, Sunday for blah, blah, blah. Not sure what time it'll be yet. I think it'll be sometime between three or between two and three p.m. start time, and it will be on YouTube. Monday will be the DTKC show. I'll be honest with everybody out there, and I'm preparing you now because I don't want anybody to be let down. All right, I already talked about the releases on Wednesday. I already talked about the releases today. I am not getting into this whole rant of releases on Monday. It's already been beat to death. Um, probably talk a little bit about Finkel and. You know, a little more, and we'll talk about Raw and any other news that breaks from there. But uh, it'll be fun. It seems like every other day, you know, with the exception of Sunday and Monday, but every other day I'm over here. But uh, I want everybody to enjoy the weekend. Please stay safe. Don't want to hear any, you know, stories of anybody getting sick. Um, you know, I there was a guy that unfortunately committed suicide. Um, I'm drawing a blank something cash was it steve cash was that his name um i know some of you out there definitely used to follow him on youtube because he was on youtube for a very long was it steve cash was that his name but a real tragic story um the guy on youtube he goes back like 12 years um and he used to like do a lot of videos with cats and he would also like do videos as if he's talking to his cats or he did like Garfield videos or something and uh, became very popular. I mean, ha has like uh, over 2 million followers. And I know some of you out there uh, were fans of his cat videos over the years. And 
he did his last YouTube video back in December, and he had publicly said in the past that he suffered from being bipolar, and he suffered from depression, and he had not done a video since December. And people started worrying about him, like, what's this guy been up to? Anybody in the chat you know, remember his name? I, I think it was Steve Cash. I, I, I didn't pay too close of attention to him, but I remember like five, six years ago, Somebody showing me the cat videos, and um, he had a, a, a big following online, and he killed himself yesterday. He shot himself. He was only 40 years old. So uh, I know some of you out there will probably recognize the guy as soon as you see him, but he was a YouTube uh, sensation out there. But um, I know some people tonight were talking about him. So, But uh, sorry for... Ending on a Debbie Downer, but I, and look, go figure. I said on Twitter, no Debbie Downers tonight, but I hope you enjoy this episode. And please, as always, if you like the episode, hit the thumbs up before you leave. And if you like the channel, subscribe because it's free and you'll get alerts when you do new videos. And maybe next week I'll be celebrating 10,000. 10,000, who'd have ever thought in a million years? I'm telling you, man, you know, I know, I realize the level of competition with some podcasters on YouTube. I have some friends on YouTube. I have some people that smile to my face and do this behind my back. Um, I swear to you, and I will say this a thousand times over, you know, I in no way, shape, or form am I trying to take viewers away from anybody. You know, I've been doing this, this is my 23rd year, and I've been wanting to go to video for a very long time, and I just never, you know, took the extra step. And I said last year I was going to do it. I think some people just thought I was talking out of my ass. And when I first started, the middle of January, you know, people asked me, like, how many uh, followers do you think you get? Subscribe. I said, you know, I'd love to get 10,000 in a year. And I remember this one guy, he's a good podcaster. There's some good people on YouTube. I, I've shouted out some podcasters. You know who they are. They are some very good people on YouTube. But this one guy is like, really? You think you get 10,000? I said, yeah, why not? You know, I'm going to try to go balls out, you know, but let it grow naturally. And uh, who would have ever thought less than four months might hit 10,000 already? So now I'm wondering, like, my God, what is this channel going to look like a year from now? I mean, hopefully next week, maybe next week. Maybe that, you know what? Maybe that's how we'll celebrate the 10,000. I'll do this. You could watch me cry. And then uh, maybe I'll buy that cat shit coffee. And, you know, after I'm allowed to, like, drink something, maybe I'll drink the cat shit coffee. So, you know, the funny thing with the cat shit coffee is, is they don't make it in K-Cups. So I was wondering, you know me, one of my best traits about me and one of my worst traits about me is I always feel like I got to prove. Like if I tell a story, I always have to back it up because there's so much bullshit on Twitter. There's so many liars, you know, it's just whacked out what you see going on every day, people with the stories. So, you know, I sort of catch it coffee that, that they have on Amazon. You know, it's like 40 bucks for one cup of coffee. And I'm like, how am I going to like prove to people that the coffee I'm drinking was actually from the anus of some exotic cat. And I'm like, I either have to buy it, the coffee grounds, and literally bring my coffee machine in here and brew it 
here live and then drink it? Or do I take the beans and grind it here? So, yeah, Greg in Brooklyn, you're not the only person. Some people think that I'm going to hit 50,000 by next year. We'll see, man. I mean, I will tell you this. Maybe I'm revealing too much. I'll tell you something that I noticed that changed on this channel. And anybody that has a YouTube channel that does shows, you'll know what I'm talking about. But one thing about YouTube is the, the amount of stats is insane. I mean, they tell you almost everything as far as where people are watching, how they're watching, what they're watching, how long they're watching, age, country. They, I mean, I have that on my audio-only stuff, but this just takes it to another level. So, um, you know, I've been paying attention to age demographic more than anything else. I was putting individual clips up, but, you know, it, it, a lot of people don't even give a shit about stuff like that right now. I, I'm just trying to get everybody to just, you know, build a base over here. But what I noticed is that the first month that I was doing the, sh the shows here the biggest age demographic that I had was, I think, 50 to 59 years old. I think the two biggest age demographics was between 40 and 60. It was like 40 to 49 and 50 to 59. That was the biggest age demographic. Now I'm four months in, and the number one age demographic that watches the stuff here, be surprised, man, it's the... Uh, 20 to 29 or 25 to 34 or something like that. It's now 20s and 30s. So I don't know if I'm just making an ass out of myself and, you know, younger viewers are enjoying it. But the demographic has changed substantially, which surprises the shit out of me. Because, you know, I know NXT. NXT gets a much older audience. The average age of an NXT viewer, I think, is around 50. And the average age of an AEW viewer is in their, I think, mid-20s to around 30. So the age demographic is is substantially different between AEW and NXT. Um, I love people out there that are like, oh, the cherished 25 to 34. But anyway, the bottom line is, is that I noticed that the average age of the viewer here is getting younger. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, as long as you all enjoy it, and please keep sending your feedback. Post your comments on YouTube. I watch them all. I read them all. I try to get back to as many people as possible. Once again, shout out to Uno Bassman, who gave me the ideas of this and this. I didn't have to wear a hat tonight. So uh, we'll have fun, everybody. I'll be back here on Monday for the DTKC show, 11.05 p.m., Eastern, everyone, much love as always. And by the way, I want to shout out everybody once again in the Super Chat. It was very cool that I was able to, you know, pull up everybody's stuff. Uh, I'm looking at the list now. I don't think I left anybody out. I'm looking at it here. And uh, yeah, no, I got into everybody. So cool. Yeah, I that was, that was a pain in the ass to start, you know, figuring out how to do, but I think I've pretty much got it down pat. Now I got to add special effects, do some funky things. And by the way, you know, all of you out there, you know, if you can support any of the people that got released, you know, again, you know, some of them get 90 day no compete. So they're getting some money out of this. 
but you know, some of them are coming out with some pretty creative shirts right off the bat. Uh, Drake Maverick, you know, Rockstar Spud's got a really funny um, photo shirt out in pro wrestling tees. Heats later, he had that shirt, I Got Kids. Now they made a spoof of the I Got Kids shirt. Now he's got a shirt that says I Got Fired. So there, there's some pretty fun ones out there. And if you can swing a cameo for some of these guys, do it. You know, I know some of you out there know, you know, what I'm talking about as far as yours truly. But like I said, some of the things I do, you know, I, I keep private. I keep to myself. You know, unfortunately, some people out there have to tell the world every little thing that they claim to do. But, um, you know, if you if some of these were some of your favorites out there, you know, just support them. And you don't have to just support them financially. You know, you send a little message, a little, you know, uplifting They'll appreciate it because, you know, we've said this before. Some people who never, ever socialize on social media suddenly are around when they don't have a job. So, you know, look, there's obvious different reasons why sometimes too busy. Sometimes, you know, the, the response is so overwhelming, you can't keep up. But right now, some people are, are especially depressed already because of coronavirus and then getting hit with this, you know, sending a little message, you know, maybe they don't see every single message that pops up, but you'd be surprised how many that they do. And, um, I even feel bad for Zach Ryder, to be honest with you. Um, you know, that guy did a lot, but you know, it does get to a point though, where, you know, you've run out of things to do with some of these guys, but, uh, Hey, I wish them all the best. And the one good thing is a lot of them that were let go are very young. And it's actually, I'll say this before I go. Somebody said this at the very beginning of the show, and I said, hold that thought. Somebody said early in the show that they think a couple of years from now, Heat Slater is going to be, you know, WWE champion. You know who I think is going to come back and maybe mirror Drew McIntyre, EC3. Drew McIntyre, when he was let go in 2014, um, you know, he talks about it now, how it really lit a fire under his ass and it was a wake-up call. And EC3, it's different. Because EC3 did not screw up. EC3 never got an opportunity. EC3, you know, they made him like a joke with the 24-7 title. So I think EC3 it has such a chip on his shoulder that if you remember when he was in TNA, I said, I think he's going to be the next big star. There was something that I just saw about the guy, and it never flourished in WWE. I think he's got the biggest chip on his shoulder. He was so pissed off that he is going to every day say to himself, I'm going to make WWE regret that not only that they released me, but the way they treated me while I was here. I'm telling you, you know, EC3, fired before and not fired before. That guy, that guy, you know, yeah, I know he was let go, he was Derek Bateman, but the point is, you know, when he got let go before, he was not on the level he was when he was in TNA. He was still, you know, brand new. 
that guy, I think, will be back in a few years and totally reinvented. He's already reinventing himself through social media. So, um, Django Lexus, you could get this PlayStation thing on Amazon. They have two different designs. They have one like this, and they have one where it's stacked up on top of each other. It's two and two symbols and two symbols. Just type in, like, PlayStation Lamp. I think that's where you'll you'll find it. But Amazon is where you could get it. And uh, I think that's it, everybody. So we covered everybody. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Stay safe. Be well. And for my patrons, I will see you all on Sunday for blah, blah, blah. And for everyone else, I'll see you Monday for the DTKC show. Be well. Take care, everybody. Ciao. Son, oh my. It was fun to channel surf. It was kind of hard to do a little pocket pool after you're hitting the last channel button 50 times for two hours plus. Son, oh my. And his whole idea of overanalyzing, oh, he's an alcoholic and he misplaced the belt. And how could you have someone champion like that? Get the fuck out of here. Wednesday night. Don, oh my. You can have fun. You really are. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com.